Hey guys, uh, we only realized after recording this episode that this is our episode 100, uh, which is incredible. I can't believe we made it this far. Honestly, we wouldn't have done it without you guys and, and you guys tuning in every week and, and you make this worthwhile. Uh, definitely mean that. We did it, Ryan. We did it. I'm so happy. It's incredible. I, I think we should celebrate. And what I think I have, I think we have the perfect thing okay. and that is a giveaway. So from now until X date, which I will let you know. <laughs> I think it Wait. runs through July 6th. July 6th. Uh, yeah. And the winner will be announced on the next episode. That's that right. Date. Okay. Yeah. That sounds good. We are going to do a giveaway. Um, so people need to get on the, the Twitter and they can see the tweet about everything I'm saying right now and get on Spotify, Apple podcasts, wherever you hear this podcast and rate us. And if you send us a picture of that rating on either of those platforms and just put it on that tweet, we will enter you into the contest and we will be given away 100 smackers <laughs> oh, man. on your choice of platform. Right. Uh, so, yes, it will be the pinned tweet on our Twitter profile, and that's at listoff underscore podcast on Twitter. Uh, yeah, all you have to do is leave us a rating on Spotify, and that gives you one entry. And that is literally just like, I want to hit this button and hit submit, and that, that'll get you in. And maybe that's you'll right. win the 100. Maybe you'll win the 100. Yeah. Clarification, $100 on... Not smackers. <laughs> Not smackers. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Clarification there, but also $100 to like steam or nintendo you know gaming stuff yes. not just anything you want exactly this episode has been rated m for mature prepare yourself for list off the gaming podcast where your hosts ryan and ryan rank the things they love Three, two, one, list off. Now you're playing with power, Nintendo power, because this week we discuss the top five Nintendo power issues. And with me, as always, is my lovely co-host, Brian. But uh, I would say we also have the authority on all things Nintendo Power, executive director of the Interactive Art Collection, senior producer at 2K Games, and owner of the Art of Nintendo Power Twitter account, Stefan Reese. Hi. Hi. <laughs> we, were talking, we were talking offline about how uh, I'm like Daenerys Targaryen with all my titles. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that's me. Hi, I'm Stefan. Hi. Happy How's to be going? here. <laughs> How's it going, man? Good, thanks man. for it's, it's thanks good. a ton for joining us again. It's uh, it's real a real pleasure to have you on the show. Oh, my my uh, my pleasure. So uh, we'll go ahead and get right into our pre-flight checklist. We'll start with you, Stefan. Have you been playing anything this week? Uh, yeah, I'm actually like five or six hours into my. I do a yearly playthrough of Chrono Trigger. Nice. So I'm into that. I, um, I have been working on that slowly. I don't have a ton of time. I, you know, I say that I'm too busy making games to play them. And that's unfortunately too often the case. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I've been playing through my, there's two games that I play through every year and sometimes three, uh, definitely Chrono Trigger, definitely Link to the past. Although that's short enough that sometimes I get more than one playthrough in. Um, and then, uh, Earthbound is if I have oh, nice. time, that's, yeah. the, that's a little bit bigger, but. 
Excellent. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't I don't play a ton of like modern stuff. I think um uh Guardians of the Galaxy was the last one that I played. That How I was did really you happy with? You liked it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I liked it a, a lot a lot a lot. Same. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. loved it. Yeah. Um, it was a great was not cannot say it's the best game that I've played in recent memory. I can say that it was the most fun I had with a game in recent memory. I think um, that's a valid description of the game. Yeah, it's a. It's a oh, I also played play. Forbidden West. What am I talking about? Uh, I spent a lot of time on Horizon uh, Zero Dawn or Forbidden West. So you heard it here. Forbidden West, not as fun as Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> I, you know what? I'll say that, you know, because I think um, I, I don't think it's a spoiler that the, the second game in the Horizon franchise is considerably larger than uh the first game and and maybe maybe it's me being a single parent in their 40s with a full-time career or maybe it is generally just genuinely bloated but like it was just it was too much game like there is such a thing as too much game like and uh i don't even remember which one but one of the uncharted games was like that for me too where i was just like okay i'm ready to be done now yeah, uh, that sounds like Uncharted Four. Yeah, Four so, was very long. Yeah, so uh, so yeah, um, I I generally will almost always side on on the uh, side of wanting a game experience that's very concise and clean um, versus versus anything that's like meandering and bloated. So um, like I got through, I did every quest uh, in in Forbidden West for maybe the first third of the game. And then I was like so over leveled for content by that point that I was like, all right, I'm just going to go critical, critical path and knock this out. And I did. And I was fine. That's fine. It's fine. Brian took a similar route. (laughs) Well, so I did, I did main quest all the way. Didn't really deviate at all. And I was under leveled, but I was still had no problem with combat or anything throughout. So I, I will say I am a big, 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 big fan of this, uh, kind of the, the, the modern, uh, um, trend now of having like story mode um, sure. where it's just like and first of all it's less uh, offensive than calling it easy so thank you for that <laughs> yeah. but uh, but uh, it, it, I you know it's true I really just like I want to know I want to know all the things and then I want to get on to the next thing um, you know it's not uh, uh, I'll, I'll just one quick story like Witcher 3 all my friends were like so into Witcher 3 and just like, oh my God, you have to play this thing. And I got, people who are familiar with the game, I got to like the Griffin encounter where you have to like kill a Griffin in a field. And like, I did that. And it's like not, it's like a few hours into the mm-hmm. game. And then I'm like, all right, I know what this is. <laughs> and that's like, I was, I was on to the next thing. So. It's the same reason. I, I think the same point I stopped playing the Witcher 3 actually, because it's like, yeah, this is a lot of systems. I'm not really feeling it right now. And there is something to be said about that concise experience. I, I have these moods where it's all I want is like yeah. something a little more passive and enjoy the story. Like Heavenly Sword. It was the PS3 launch title. It was like the the mm-hmm. the kind of God of War clone mm-hmm. uh, was one of my favorite game experiences of, of modern gaming. Um in that it was like six hours of just fucking badass. Like yeah, the whole time I was just, I'm like, I'm having a great time. Uh, and then it was done. And uh, I'm like, that was great. That is exactly what I wanted to do for the last six hours. Yeah. Sounds very good. Cool. Yeah. I actually skipped that game, but I've heard very good things and I don't think it did well or was received well at the time of release. Right. But uh, it's kind of gained this cult following. Yeah, maybe because it was then. six hours. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> 
So how about you, Brian? What's your uh, pre-flight checklist? Yeah. So I've been diving in more to Rogue Legacy 2. That's about all I've played this week. Um, I definitely echo everything Stefan has said. Uh, You know, Horizon was my game that grabbed me for so long. It kept me from Elden Ring as Ryan is very familiar with. Um, but I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling like I might need to get into that demon souls just because it's a required game for me to play through for our agreement. Um, but I think I'm ready, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Elden ring is, is man, it, it's, it's a tough one for me. I really like it, but it's a lot of games, a lot of game. Lot and of game. I think I need that, that more linear path of demon souls right about now, just the way I'm feeling. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Rogue Legacy 2 continues to be the one for me. And uh, cool. I am still Steam Deckless, so I can't I can't jump into that yet. But I am very much looking forward to that. Well, every day you get closer to that Steam Deck. I do. Yeah. Less than a month, Allegedly. I'm sure. Allegedly. Right, right, right. <laughs> of course. Know. I am course. Q2, so any day now. <laughs> I, I don't blame you for feeling the way you do about Elden Ring. I was thirsty for Elden Ring. Like my most anticipated game two years in a row. And um even by the time I reached the end of it, I was like, okay, I am, I loved it. I am glad I'm through with it. I now need very short experiences. Sure. Uh, so of course, as my pre-flight checklist, I am playing a very short experience that was critically panned upon release because of its length, but um, has since gained a cult following and I'm really, really enjoying it. It's the order 1886. It's incredibly cinematic. Uh, I own a PS five. I've played a ton of modern games but this game still has, it was in 2015, this was released and it still has these moments that are just jaw dropping visuals. Uh, It also handles, it's a really subtle thing, but it handles camera focus like a movie would. So uh, even during gameplay, if it's focusing on you in the foreground, say you're hiding behind cover, everything in the background is out of focus as a camera would handle it. And uh, it's that real subtle change that just draws you into the experience. It makes it feel like you are playing through something as epic as a film. And it's very deliberate. Uh, it's very linear, but I think that really plays to its benefit rather than, you know, the negatives that it was receiving for those reasons. Uh, have you, question. Uh, yeah. Yeah. How, does how did you decide to in 2022 dedicate <laughs> a significant portion of time to a game that wasn't particularly well received and is seven years old? The reason why I ask is because it, that doesn't strike me as like old enough that right. like you'd be like, oh, that's the retro catalog. Let me pick through that. Like it's this weird middling time mm-hmm. frame that like I couldn't tell you what else came out seven years ago, right? right? Like <laughs> no, same. I couldn't either. Uh, no, it was just kind of something that was always living in the back of my mind as a game I wanted to play. I was looking forward to its release and then it got panned and it kind of kept me away. And, you know, everybody says they don't pay attention to critics, but it does play a role in decision-making when it comes to spending money. So I had, I saw an opportunity. It was $10. I was looking for a shorter experience. I have since heard good things saying the game didn't deserve the hate it got, so I I made the choice, pulled the trigger, ten dollars. Can't can't really feel too bad about that if I don't enjoy it, and I'm glad I did. I, I am really really enjoying it, and I'm very glad I made that decision. Are you almost done with it? I mean, if it is a short experience, um, I haven't had much time to play games lately, uh, so I I may be almost done. I th- I think I'm about five hours in at this point. I've heard it's six to eight hours, so I'm not sure if I'm almost through, but probably 
getting pretty close to it yeah sure good god 2015 was a hell of a year for games because <laughs> i was like i was sitting here like i don't know what else was out there i wonder what the like mario maker and star wars battlefront uh-huh. and um uh bloodborne and metal gear solid 5 and <laughs> wow. arkham knight and halo 5 and i was just like jesus christ <laughs> right that's a big big year oh, for sure just fallout 4 i don't know if that made either of our lists when we did best years in gaming i'm not sure i'm not sure that's a bananas list right there it is pretty but you know it's funny when you look at most years it's like wow there were a lot of big hits it's yeah yeah, this is going to be one of those years we're we're in it right now i feel like things are getting pushed but i feel like 2023 is going to be huge 2022 is really big though really really big definitely Uh, so if that's all we've been playing for our pre-flight checklist, without further ado, I say we go ahead and get into our list. All right. So once again, we are doing our top five Nintendo power issues. And uh, as always, we start with the guests. But before we do, I had a quick aside. I want to get this on record before we start our list. I found an issue of Nintendo power that I think is the most brian issue ever (laughs) and if it's on your list i will say this is the one i'm talking about but if it's not then i'll just keep my opinions do do we win a prize (laughs) um no (laughs) i don't know you get to find out what issue it is (laughs) i wish i had something prepared i wish i had something prepared (laughs) i should have thought of that uh so yeah stefan if you want to go ahead and start us off what is your honorable mention uh my honorable mention is uh, volume 28 i have it right here super Ooh. mario world um this this is just get, like I, I can't you know a lot of times i will gravitate towards like cover art that kind of thing this one uh this is a just a piece of key art this is not this they use this everywhere so it's nothing special from that regard but uh, but it is that like not the first time by any means that we that we caught uh, a glimpse of Super Mario World, but it's the first time that we got like the big reveal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, just because this issue is so important for that reason, a couple, you'll see a couple issues that I will pull out where, um, where I'm just saying like, hey, this was like just a super important issue. Um, I think uh, it doesn't get much more important than Super Mario World. So <laughs> I would agree. So that's my that's my honorable mention. And it actually, uh, oh, and the the poster in here is also great. It's um, uh, the F Zero poster by Art Nichols. Since we're doing video, I can show you. Yeah, that. let's check that it's out. It's this one. That very cool. Very uh, very cool. And uh, Art Nichols was actually a uh, a Valiant artist. Uh, oh yeah, Valiant there. Comics. Yeah, and uh, he also um, went on to do a few uh, issues of uh, Howard and Nestor for the magazine as well. Oh, very cool. Very cool history. Yeah, I knew we got the right guy for this episode. That's it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, th- there's some other great stuff in this in this issue too. I mean, like some cool coverage of Worm with some great art in it. Um, but but really, like you can't you can't say anything more than uh, than Super Mario World, right? Yeah. yeah, I mean it's no Super Mario Brothers three, but oh, it's true. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, getting to my honorable mention, this is the one that I do have physical copy of, and I will show it here. And that is issue or volume one forty eight. This, <laughs> this is the one, one I'm in. I, knew. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta have it on my list. <laughs> this is not the episode, the issue I was, I was talking about. Just no, so we no, know of course that. not, of course not. Um, but yeah, so you know, I. Of course, sorry. The, the issue that Brian is in is not the most Brian issue. 
Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> believe it or not, there is one that is more Brian. Than wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, Mario Kart Super Circuit, great game. You know, it 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 tickles my my GBA fancy there for sure. I love my handhelds. Um, but I got to pull up my artwork here. Um, wow. There's my Sonic Advance. Look at that beauty. There's my name. It's there we go. Amazing. They got they got the place wrong. It says Dayton Beach. No such place. Daytona is the Daytona Beach. <laughs> yeah, Daytona <laughs> Beach. So that was weird. But yeah, uh, great issue all, all around. Um, pretty timely here. We've got a Advance Wars contest. So um, what do you get to win? Grand prize, original framed illustration of himself or herself as an Advance Wars character. So that's, oh, that's pretty cool. cool. That I like that. Cool. That's neat. Um, I wonder who won that. Yeah, I don't know. I love stuff like that. There was like there was an issue and I actually have the statue, but uh, there was an issue where uh, the kid got flown to uh, Interplay to be sculpted as a clay fighter for Clay Fighter oh, cool. uh, 64. Wow. And, uh, then 30 years later, I hit him up. and He's like, yeah, I still have that. I'm like, great. Sell it to me. That's awesome. <laughs> that wow. So cool. So cool. Was that the Blockbuster exclusive game? Like yes. it wasn't available any other way. Just well, there was from... a version of it. There was so there was there was uh, okay. there was like the base game, and then there was the sculptor's cut. I see. Which was, which was Blockbuster exclusive. Okay. Very cool. So uh, my honorable mention, you know, Stefan, you talk about a game that you play through every year in Chrono Trigger. There was a game that I played through every year for decades, and that game was the original Final Fantasy for the NES. say final fight and i was gonna be like bullshit (laughs) (laughs) yes that would be bullshit (laughs) but no it's uh so my honorable mention is issue 14 uh it has a contest for uh the original final fantasy and it has a breakthrough of the beginning levels of the game and this was the first time i had seen final fantasy and i just remember thinking of how epic it was in scope even in just a few pages dedicated to it they had the the overview of the entire map and little bios for some of the characters involved and then they actually gave you you know as nintendo power does they walked you through some of the uh individual levels and parts of that early game and it was like man this is a game i have to experience that was that was basically what sold it for me uh on top of that they have another game that i'm a huge fan of And that is a preview for an upcoming title called Maniac Mansion, (laughs) uh, which I absolutely adore as well. Uh, Has Chippendale's Rescue Rangers and also perhaps a bit of premonition because it has a section dedicated to the NES title Mission Impossible on page 64 of the issue. Oh, mm. wow. (laughs) Mission Impossible came out for the Nintendo 64 as well. So you never know. Mm. Yeah. Here's a uh, an anecdote for you, Ryan. This is the just because I happen to have it by my feet. This is the <laughs> original art for that contest. Oh the, wow! Wow! Uh, the 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 chest that they used for 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 the Final Fantasy contest. Man, that's so cool. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> just casually gets it gets it from a it was box. In a, it, it's in my two frame folder, which is <laughs> very large, but uh, but I knew it was in there. So. All right, me, huh? It's you my, for my my number five pick yes uh so this is volume 31 
for oh, yeah. uh, Metroid for the Game Boy. Um, and uh, you know what? It's funny because I am not honestly sure if this is traditional work or not. I have no idea who the artist is. Um, and it, it kind of looks like it's CG. And there are, are, are there are there's other issues like around this time where they were like experimenting with digital. And of course they're actually using like a screenshot for the background that, mm-hmm. that it's laying on here. But, um, but this, so a couple of things that make this really cool. Um, the contest in it was star Wars and it was to actually go to the Lucas archive and like tour the archive and see all the props and like um, the follow, there's a follow-up article and a couple issues uh, later here that actually talks about the kid who uh, got to go there and uh, it shows him like wearing the captain EO jacket. Like oh, he's got, nice. he just got to like, he just got to like do whatever he wanted at, at, at Lucasfilm. And that wow. seems super, super cool. Um, the other thing that I think is really, really awesome about this issue um, is that it has the custom Game Boy contest or the winners for the custom Game Boy contest. Um, so in, I think it's, I want to say it's 28 or 29, they had a contest uh, where you, they, they gave you like a template of of uh of, of a blank game boy like a, just an outline of a game boy and kids drew their like dream game boys and then sent them in and the and the the results for that contest are in this oh, issue whoa. wow and uh and like i just i thought it was just as i i gravitate often to just like really cool like user generated content mm-hmm. the, 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 in, in a couple issues you'll see another one that's a, a favorite of mine but um but I just love when like the the kids, presumably kids, really really got to like shine, mm-hmm. and uh, and so I, I I love this issue for that as well. Um, also, this issue has a like a Super NES showcase um, that's really early, so you're seeing like a lot of uh, of the earlier launch titles. Like they have um, like here's Pilot Wings, right? Um, as, 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 you know, Super NES showcase, the next generation of gaming. Um, and as, as Super Nintendo is my favorite console of all time. Um, I think, uh, I think that's, that's super important as well. Um, so yeah, I, I just, I love this issue which, uh, all around. Um, I'm, I'm curious. No, I don't think I'll ever be able to find the cover cause I'm not sure if it's real or not. Right. Huh. So how often does that happen? I mean, it seems like f- there were a lot of issues where the cover artist was unknown, right? Is is that just more fact sure. or fable? Sure. Um, fortunately uh, for me and for us, um, the vast majority of the physical covers were painted by one of two artists, uh, Dan McGowan and David Harto. Um, and I have almost all of their work for both of those issues. So I have I have over 50% of the of the physical covers uh, wow. for the magazine. Um, wow. But yeah, a lot of times it is a shot in the dark and sometimes it's been, and I, I, I have, you know, I also have a lot of the, I think you guys were talking about it in another, yes. you were talking about me in another episode. <laughs> I know. Is that weird? Um, which I, which I uh, listened to while I was walking the dog. So thank you very much. Um, but um, I do have a lot of like the physical covers and most of those were done by, so like there was a glut of covers done by, specific artists so Mm -hmm. like that the guy who did a lot of the physical covers were was the same artist and if not the same artist the same agency um and it was uh, similarly for the a lot of the physical covers they were they all uh were contracted through a single agency griffiths advertising which to your point 
makes it really annoying to find people because they were only really ever credited as Griffiths Advertising, except for um, issue one mm-hmm. and uh, and a, a couple of the first issues where Dan McGowan was mentioned by name. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a a labor of love finding people, and it's, normally it's it's a just sort of like a networking thing, right? I find some, you know, with the Griffiths advertising stuff, it was a matter of finding anyone who worked for the company. That that was my goal. I, I just need to find a name, anyone who worked for the company. Uh, and then go into them and say, hey, just like casually talk to me about your time there. And as, as they talk to me, uh, names would just pop into their head and I'd write those down. And, <laughs> That's and cool. So, and, I, and I left that conversation with a series of names. And then I said, okay, how many of these people can I find? And, uh, and even those people were not artists, but eventually I got, I, I worked my way, my way back to finding artists. And then those artists tend to know other artists. Mm-hmm. Uh, so once you cross that threshold from like, you know, uh, editors to artists, um, you 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 tend to find more artists, right? Right, and uh, I would also urge everybody to go check out uh, Stefan's Twitter page, "The Art of Nintendo Power," because you have a pinned video of some of your collection. I think it has that Doctor Wiley vehicle that I spoke about in that episode, and I think that's when we brought you up. And so many cool pieces in that in that video, and on your page in general, it's really it's really a trip down memory lane, man. <laughs> Yeah, it's also my um, it's also my personal page, so you do have to kind of sift through me like talking about my kid a lot. <laughs> but um, but uh, but yeah, I do post just about everything I find there. Um, like today, I posted I I found the uh, name plaque for uh, from Howard Phillips' desk. Yeah, um, I saw that. The yeah. newest acquisition. So um, so you know it's not just i don't just collect the art it's also other like rare or important um really kind of erring on the, the side of important uh artifacts from video game history so um but yeah that's all on on twitter that's very a good cool. place to very good cool. place to find me awesome uh so my next one my number five actually is volume 28 as well um and i think you know the the thing that strikes me is that cover for sure. It was not one of my top 10 covers, but looking through the issue itself, you know, this is one of those first times that we're seeing super Nintendo stuff. Um, and that was what I was hungry for at the time. Um, and then the super Mario world article, it goes on for like, I don't know, eight pages or so. Yeah, it's and it's, yeah. it's those, those beautiful illustrations that, you know, a lot of them are the ones that, are shared in the instruction booklet. Um, but it's that full cover, full, beautiful uh, color everywhere uh, that we love of Super Mario Worlds and seeing these maps and seeing actual, um, the worlds just illustrated here. It's it's what I loved about Tunic. You know, it's the, the same kind of illustrations that we get. Um, it, it's just this whole world opens up in front of you and it, it's those, those times that we looked at instruction booklets, but just, this is like three times as big because it's a actual magazine. Um, yeah. Other couple of cool things, star Wars is in here. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have the, you know, a lot of the side scrolling games. So we get these full maps where it's just all the way blown out and you can see the entire map, which is just kind of unthinkable to, to imagine that super Nintendo displaying the whole thing. Um, just wild stuff. Yeah, um, all the little key items would be circled. Right. And yeah, yeah, yeah I remember that. Yeah. 
All those maps, stuff. by the way, I don't know if people know they they were just they just photographed the screen and like pasted <laughs> them together. That's why, like, anytime uh, it's super obvious in like the Mega Man maps because like every inch or so you'll see Mega Man like hanging out somewhere. Oh right, because right. they were just they were literally just taking photographs of CRTs and wow. pasting them together. That's pretty funny. They, they couldn't have timed their photograph for like the instance where Mega Man's flashing off screen because you know that happens <laughs> in Mega Man games a lot. Sure, I think it was more of an issue of uh, a combination of not caring right. and having <laughs> a having deadline, an insane deadlines. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure, for sure. Uh, good pick, though. Good pick. Um, so moving on to my number five, uh, it, much to the chagrin of Stefan, I'm sure it's a CGI cover. Oh God. And it's uh, <laughs> it's issue number 85. This was the this was the issue that sold me on buying a Nintendo 64 in the upcoming console war mm-hmm. that was to be uh, the N64 versus the first gen PlayStation, because this was it. This had the first look at Mario 64, a big, big art. I don't know. It wasn't the first look. It was a big, big premiere part of the issue was that Mario 64 spread. I had an interview with some developers from Rare, which I don't believe was owned by Nintendo at the time. Uh, And then, uh, yeah, just filled with upcoming N64 projects. What's, what's the cover of this one? I can't remember. It's Mario. He's kind of like in a ditch sliding. It's it's, on his ass or something. Yeah. It's like a little, a little (laughs) odd looking for sure. But uh, yeah, it was really just seeing the, you know, the graphics that were coming our way in the Nintendo 64 and knowing what was in store. And it did a good job of selling that console because like I said, this was the one that sold me on it. And uh, honestly, I didn't look back after this till years later. And I was like, where are all the games, Nintendo? Where are all these games you promised me in issue number 85? I've been had. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't uh, that I'd have to say that that console generation wasn't necessarily their shining moment, but it has some stellar stellar entries in in a few series yeah number four yes number uh four. right here this is let me get the issue number right volume 32 super castlevania 4 This is, let me just start with the cover because you can actually see it. It's right behind me. That big giant black square uh, is, is actually the cover for uh, Super Castlevania 4 here. Uh, the only oil painting ever painted for the magazine. Wow. Uh, so that's cool. Uh, the artist's name is Phil Howe. He is a, uh, he is a fine artist, generally. Um, and uh, fun fact, he doesn't really particularly care for this cover um, <laughs> wow. because he had to repaint it. So when he turned this in, uh, the original shot had him more draping. Sorry, I'm doing this backwards. It's uh, draping like to where the Super Castlevania um, letterhead is here. So his legs were actually swooping through where this area here is. Um, And so he had to repaint the bottom half of some in Belmont, which... um, you can't see because they intentionally put the like seal of quality down there to cover how awkward his foot is. Um, and, uh, and also his two arms are not like proportionally sized. 
Um, it's, it's also lit really crazy. He's like lit in five directions. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but so yeah, he uh, does not care for this painting. Oh. But, um, but uh, I'm sure that it, worked to your benefit though, right? <laughs> it, it, it certainly did. He wanted it out of his house. <laughs> um, but some really, really important things here, uh, particularly like this is when the magazine really started to branch out into more than just like, oh, we're just going to like show you the game. Uh, this was the issue when both the um, Link to the Past and the Super Mario Brothers Adventures comics uh, started. So they Speak. both started in this issue, um, which also makes it significantly larger than a lot of the issues. Um, but but that was just like, OK, this is a new norm. Now we're going to do comics. Now we're going to do all these things. Um, so like this was really a departure um, for the magazine. Um, also, Ryan, you'll probably like this. Uh, the contest was a trip to rare. Uh, was, uh, so, so there's, uh, there's that as well. Um, but yeah, I think uh, also, I think I'm not sure. I don't know if this is the first coverage of it, but it was like the first significant coverage of the link to the past game. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's kind of, kind of a big deal. It's a game you may have heard of. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just such a such a great issue. This is also one of those issues where I have like a very visceral, personal, visceral memory of like pulling it out of the mailbox, right. uh, you know, and I, I think everybody the Darkwing Duck cover is actually didn't make my list, oh, yeah. but is one of those as well. Sure. And I, you have the I, artwork just, from that, don't you? I do. Yeah. Um, so can I ask how many Nintendo powers of your collection that you currently have are ones that you originally had? Uh, zero. Oh man, uh, none, oh. none of them. <laughs> okay, uh, they they did sit in the back of my closet until I was about uh, fourteen, and then gotcha. I was just like too cool for it. Right, um, I feel that. <laughs> and uh, you know, the same reason why, like a lot of us, uh, you know, got rid of all our games at yard sales and stuff. Right? Exactly. Like, yep. yeah. yeah, it happens. Unfortunately, yeah. but yeah, there it is, number four. Very cool. Very cool. Love it. All right, my next one, my number four, is volume 103, and it is Diddy Kong Racing right on the cover in uh, whatever ice place this is. I forget which one. Uh, Whizpig flying behind him. Ryan, you know I had to have some Diddy Kong Racing on my list. I did. Um, but what is remarkable about this one, aside from the large Diddy Kong Racing spread, we get to see all the different items, which, again, that's that's one of the coolest things I love, just going over the mechanics of the game uh having huge pictures of all the characters but we get our first look at or the first 100 shots of zelda 64 and that's right these are some rough rough images by what we now know as ocarina of time but it it was still so cool to see like okay this is what zelda is going to look like in 3d on the n64 and i don't think any of us were ready for it but it it looks pretty similar i mean there, there's definitely some differences in in texture and like the the shield itself does not look at all at, as to what we know now looks more like a mirror shield honestly mm-hmm. um and it's it's very grainy in some of the larger spreads that are in the background uh links links face is very grainy um but yeah, there's there's just a, a whole bunch, a hundred of these screenshots of the game, kind of just detailing riding horses and swinging swords and such. 
Um, Very cool. But yeah, I think we were all hungry at this point to see what awaited us on the N64 and the the Legend of Zelda. I have a, so my, I saw these pictures. I have a memory of seeing these pictures, but it wasn't in a Nintendo Power. I had a computer class uh, in middle school and I used to spend my time going to videogames.com because (laughs) that was a place, I think it ended up becoming GameSpot actually. Uh, But I remember when these screenshots were released and they had them on the website and looking at them when I probably should have been working on whatever the project was (laughs) at the time, but just trying to like figure out what was happening in the pictures because, you know, I wasn't used to gaming in the 3d space and it showed the reticle for things like Z targeting. And I just remember thinking like, what is that thing on the screen? Like, what are those four yellow triangles like around that guy? What does that do? And all these questions, you know, and trying to figure out what the game was all about. Yeah. It's a magical time, man. It's a good, good pick for sure. Thank you. Uh, Videogames.com redirects to giant bomb. Giant bomb now. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I feel like the lineage there might've been videogames.com game, game spot, Jeff Gersman, (laughs) and then taking that over to giant bomb. Uh, one other cool thing is uh, in classified information, which is, you know, the tips and tricks of each uh, mm-hmm. volume, GoldenEye 007, mixing and matching weapons. Um, they say that there's a couple of variations on how to get it, but actually getting different types of weapons together because the game made it so you could only do two of the same mm-hmm. unless you were you're pretty sneaky about cycling through your gun. So the RCP 90 and the grenade launcher great great so option that that one was available i think through xenia right if you if you killed yeah. her mm-hmm. she was the one that did give you some mixing and matching there on the top that's it very good man good pick so this is number four right yep yep my number four is the final issue of nintendo power uh it is just really really bittersweet um <laughs> It's, it's not something I received in the mail. It's something I saw after its release. Uh, I was kind of tone deaf to Nintendo Power at the time, and it was sad that I lost, my, like I lost interest in the publication that once meant so much to me. So seeing that it was coming to an end was like really disappointing. Well, it felt like it was something that was just going to continue forever because right. it's a Nintendo thing, right? Right, right, exactly. And um. Yeah, you had the poster with every single Nintendo Power cover uh, as the poster in the issue. And it's just, it's because Nintendo Power was a huge part of my childhood. And and much like you, Stefan, I reached that age where I became too cool and I kind of never looked back. And then I hear it's ending after 24 years. And yeah, it was tough. And, you know, it included highlights from the entire run as uh, one of the articles, uh, staff from the past and present sharing their memories with the publication. It was really a cool issue. Uh, but yeah, I didn't, like I said, didn't get it at release and didn't get any of the ones leading up to it. And it made me kind of feel like maybe I should have done my part to keep Nintendo <laughs> power in, in circulation. I think it was more the internet that did that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, that issue also, they brought back um, the Adventures of Nestor for one oh, yeah. la- one yep. last go. Oh, wow. Final That's, appearance. Uh, Bill Mudron <laughs> is the the artist of that. Yeah, uh, he he's on Twitter. Also, I will I'll mention that the, that cover was sculpted by uh, Leslie Levings, who is also on Twitter, and she uh, she's she is a professional sculptor, wouldn't you know? And uh, cool. so you can uh, totally buy her art. So you should Sweet. do that. Go buy her art, Leslie. Levings, L-E-V-I-N-G-S. Very cool. Sweet. 
don't ask me if I have that cover. We're working on it. <laughs> nice. Do you, do you have the original there, one? There's things to figure out. Uh, no, but you want to hear a sad, sad story about that cover? Does it not exist because, anymore? Because I know exactly what happened to that cover. Oh, no. Uh, so that that cover, the, the issue one cover, um, for anyone who doesn't know, is was made out of uh, uh, oil clay. Because it was uh, sculpted by a Will Vinton artist, the the Will Vinton Studios of of um, California Raisins fame. Oh yeah. Um, so they did a lot of the stop motion stuff and oil clay, stop motion clay, uh, really doesn't dry ever. It just kind of gets gross, but, uh, but, uh, but it, it stays somewhat uh, pliable forever. Um, and, uh, so it was in a fish tank in Gail Tilden's office, which was, that's how they were displaying it. Uh, and Gail Tilden, of course, being the, uh, the, um, uh, executive editor, of the magazine editor-in-chief the original editor-in-chief of the magazine uh and you know how anyone who's had a corporate job knows that occasionally they'll have like a moving company come in and move your office over the weekend and you come in and your stuff is just in a different room or across the street in the new building or whatever uh and that happened uh and during that move uh the movers dropped the fish tank no no yeah wow so so the the cover one sculpture is no longer exists wow that's that hurts that is very sad yeah uh joan gantz the the uh the artist by the way of that issue is uh, an oscar winner now um she is an oscar winning director i believe wow very impressive sweet yeah yeah uh, bring me on and i just fill it I love it though. That's exactly yeah this is this is not (laughs) the thing is this is not nonsense like we we're so honored to have you on no joke and also just your knowledge of all of this stuff blows my mind i it would have been brian and i talking about yeah yeah this issue is cool because it has cool pictures (laughs) but you're like i like here's where the cool yeah here's where the cool (laughs) pictures came from right Right. yeah it's very very great (laughs) great yeah incredible (laughs) insight man seriously cool uh my turn issue three yes sir number number three uh, this is the May June 1989 issue, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, Dan McGowan, who I mentioned earlier, by the way, no longer with us, uh, passed away in 2015 of cancer. Um, but this is his the the first issue that he ever did a cover for. I love this cover because it is both practical and uh physically drawn so the turtles are drawn by hand but then uh if you look closely that that wall is actually a physical sculpture so um so it's just Mm. shot in front of you know in front of a a physical sculpture which they did a lot of like the ninja gaiden cover for instance with the guy in the halloween costume uh (laughs) in front of the painting um but yeah so this was the first the first dan mcgowan painting um also this a lot of firsts in this issue uh, and the, the reason why i really kind of chose it as being super important um first published work of j scott campbell the very famous comic artist he did a he won a, a contest for a game design uh in this particular issue um and so his 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 first published work uh, is in here but also uh lesser known uh, matt boson the um the creator of shantae is also yeah. published in this oh. issue uh, in the letters, uh, in the letters co- uh, column. So he has envelope art uh, in this. And wow. Very young. I don't, uh, you know, under, under 10 when right. he, when, when, wow. He <laughs> um, but uh, also what I love about this issue is this was, uh, happens to be 
and this is just icing on the cake. This happens to be before they really started hiring American artists to do a whole lot, except for the covers, which were a completely different agency. But um, but they were still using mostly Japanese artists. Um, so the quality of the work is just you know, page for page in here is just incredible. Nice. So you seem to really appreciate uh, video game art. What do you think of yes. Simon <laughs> Bisley's work on uh, like Weapon Lord and... You know, he did some heavy metal. I'm just curious. Have sure, you pr- he also did a lot of uh, turtle stuff. And right, right. So uh, full disclosure, since you didn't know, um, Kevin Eastman was the best man at my wedding. What? Uh, we oh, are, my gosh. We are, uh, <laughs> we are friends. Uh, and so by extension, I know Simon. This is sort of not not well, well, but at one point I did. Um I, you know what? I love his work. He's, of course, it's over the top. Of course, it's ridiculous. Oh, it's like, so good, though. Uh, but like, you know, and, and his that he... Uh, he doesn't really, you know, the very note light, right? Like where he doesn't really particularly want to know what the subject is. He's just going to like draw whatever he wants. He's going to make uh, a medal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, body count that uh, the yeah. series he did for turtles was like mm-hmm. one of the, um, I think it held the record for like flying eyeballs or something. Some, some <laughs> weird, like some weird record for, for gore uh, for a while. But uh yeah, I mean, I think Simon Bisley's work is great. So I grew up reading uh, Eastman Layered Turtles uh, sure. because my mom bought them for me, not knowing that they were more adult themed than anything. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I yeah. definitely did not share that information with her. So uh, <laughs> sure. that is incredible that uh, Kevin Eastman was the best man at your wedding. That's yeah. really, really something else. Yeah, we've known each other for a number of years. That That's was awesome. that was a, like we were good friends anyway. But that was mm-hmm. just a, a, a you know I kind of try to live my life by. Uh, the the adage of you never know what you can get till you ask, mm-hmm. and uh, and it was we were where were we Bob's big boy in Burbank, <laughs> okay. and uh, I was like just kind of casually like expecting him to say no because of why like okay like because he wasn't like like I had to clear this through my best friend I'm like look I have the opportunity to have Kevin be my best man would you be cool <laughs> right like, it'd be really great. like I know <laughs> you, you want sit this to, one but, up like, yeah. it'd be really cool dude thanks Elliot. Yeah. Uh, and he was told he was like, yeah, dude, <laughs> like, I totally get that. But uh, but yeah, it was just one of those like throwaway like, hey, would you like want to be the best man at my wedding? And he looked at me. He was just like, yeah, sure. Why not? That's a great. Wow. Red. Man. Wild. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Incredible. So have you did you read the last Ronin? Uh, have not yet. Yeah. It's good. Uh, no. it's good stuff. Pretty good yeah, yeah. stuff. Yeah. 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 I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I'm very excited for him having found because he got I mean. Uh, not to disparage Peter too much, but like uh, the way that that went down wasn't my favorite yeah. as far as like how he lost his rights to the, or how, it, how he sold off his rights to turtles. Um, and like there being some like promises that were made around that, um, that were not necessarily honored. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just to see him now to be able to like actually have found honestly, probably more of a following than he did originally. Yeah. Um, at, you know, now um, with the turtles again and like what started as a, just sort of a like, yeah, let's get Kevin Eastman to say he likes this new show so that like, we can like rubber stamp this and like, yeah, sure. We got street cred to like him actually being like an IDW employee and, you know, yeah. like then like really, really drawing comics again, not just like, umpteen million variant covers like he's right. really he's really doing you know what he loves and i think i think having a little bit of distance from it and not necessarily needing to be like the decision maker on everything um has been really good for him and i'm really happy for him sweet 
Yeah, I don't that know. It's really weird uh, segue, so I apologize for that. But... No, not at uh, no. <laughs> it's all, it's all good. This is great. Well, like, Ryan, how I... many people have Kevin Eastwood as their best man, Stefan? It's like Jesus, dude. Ryan, I thought you were going to tie in your weapon lord, uh, looking wow. out for the the art. Yeah, I I love Simon Bisley's work. I actually asked him to come on, but uh, he's a very busy man, and I respect <laughs> his time. And uh, yeah. He he left the door open, so maybe someday. Um, That's right. I'm uh, speaking of weapon lord. I'm I'm I I did some decent hunting from an opportunity I didn't know that I had available to me. But um, you know, I was I was looking at at various covers, you know, trying to see what I could hunt for, and noticed that um that weapon lord was made by VC uh and which is a 2K studio, which happens to be the studio that I work for. Uh, and I was looking at the through the instruction manual and at the, the artist names, and sure enough, a couple of them are still here. Wow. So I just wow. I was literally able to slack a couple of these guys. That is so and, cool. Uh, um, unfortunately, they didn't, you know, have, have right. a, a, you know, a pulse on on where the art is now. But uh, but maybe maybe it'll uh, show up at the studio someday. But uh, yeah, that'd be, that'd be cool. <laughs> Be very Cause, cool because Simon didn't do the interior, like the uh, the character designs and stuff. Right. Like he didn't he didn't do that stuff. So. Right. Yeah, I asked. I think the question I had posed to him is if we could use the font uh, for like a shirt idea. Because uh, my obs- right. my obsession with Weapon Lord is probably pretty well known to the, our listeners at this point. <laughs> and uh, and he said that Namco owns the rights. Well, I guess Two K owns the rights. So uh, mm, if, maybe maybe <laughs> sometimes like image rights are weird. Like. It, since we're talking about Nintendo Power, I'll give you a Nintendo Power example. Uh, for instance, I'm staring right now at the the Magical Quest cover, which we'll talk about later on my list. <laughs> um, but that is that is uh, a a image in which Nintendo owns the rights to publication, but they don't own the rights to those characters. Yeah. So <laughs> if I wanted to do anything with that art. <sighs> How would I do that? It's not only is it owned by two different companies, but two of the most litigious companies on the planet. Right. Uh, and so, uh, so yeah, uh, image rights can get weird, especially yeah. when it's, you know, again, it's one, uh, one, you know, one company owning the image, the rep- reproduction rights, and then another one own- owning the actual rights to the characters. It's right. sticky. That's uh, honestly, that's why like I almost once a week, at least I get asked when the art book is coming. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would love, love to do an art book. It will likely never happen because just the 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 rights conversations oh, would be. I yeah. I yeah. I would die before <laughs> the, I got through all that. So, yeah. um, so yeah. the only thing, if I could ever actually get Nintendo on board, maybe. But like, but they're also like they're such a big company at this point that they don't have like motivation to do something like that. Like, right. Even if like. And I, and I get it right like also you know having worked in and around monolithic juggernaut companies my entire career like i understand like it's not literally not worth your time i totally get that <laughs> right yeah so um so yeah um so yeah probably no art book everybody i'm sorry right oh. <laughs> uh, go see the live exhibit that's right yeah yeah I think I saw people asking you when the expo is going to come to like the east coast and you were like eh. It's a lot to lug all this around. Yeah, it, you know, it's one of those things where, uh, yeah, so I'm in Southern California, and w- even though I like to say we when I reference my nonprofit because it makes me sound fancy, um, <laughs> spoiler alert, it's pretty much just me uh, and sometimes some volunteers. Um, and certainly when I am entrusting, I can't entrust anyone else like with the art. Like right. I couldn't just be like, hey, could you just like drive this to Pennsylvania for me? Right. Um, and and it's 
it's less about me being concerned about the art, but where I'm, of course, I am concerned about the art if something were to happen to transit, but, but more so, I don't ever want to be in a position where something happens to a piece mm -hmm. and I have to blame anyone but myself That's because right. like, I can't even, I can't even imagine how that conversation would go, especially when it's like some of these pieces are either high, high value mm -hmm. or completely priceless sure yeah. and uh and so it's just like okay you owe me what like you know like i can't i i don't know how those conversations would go so i try not to put myself in those situations yeah totally. um so um really i i you know i have a day job this is not my you know i have my career and i have my life for work and i do one so i can do the other right and so mm -hmm. uh if, if at some point in my life through some uh life event like i win the lottery or i get super well funded uh by by a wealthy benefactor because we are a 501c3 so if you want to donate <laughs> um or or if i retire like that's that's something that i foresee like when i retire from my day job and have some sort of fixed income that i could then do that i could i could you know drive out to pennsylvania on a on a, on a whim you know, but you know, when you're talking about an East Coast show and that's three days travel there and back, because I have to drive it, I cannot fly it. Right. Um, three days travel there and back, plus what a weekend show, so three days there, so nine days. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, that's a that's a lot to tie up when you are are also working in you know an eighty hour post sometimes job. Yeah, I mean, I, I know what you mean about entrusting someone else. I would hate to be the guy who dropped the fish tank, you know? Yeah, yeah, jeez. <laughs> On that, I mean, that would be crushing, soul crushing. I mean, yeah. that's why that's one of the reasons, other than like theft, because that's also obviously a concern. But like the reason why I won't show anything unless it's framed, I will not take anything to a show that isn't framed. And I have several hundred pieces that still need to be framed, but it's incredibly expensive. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, once it's in a frame, like the the likelihood, you know, I don't frame in glass. I always frame in acrylic and and wood frames. So there's not like so if if you did drop one of my frames, the likelihood that it would do anything to the art slim to none, right? So so from a safety perspective, you know, if I because yeah, sometimes I do have volunteers and like sometimes they do kick an easel over, like it happens. Um, but uh, I just don't want to be in a position where like they, you know, there's a risk to them damaging that art. Um, yeah, makes sense. But if yeah. I do it, it's fine. Like literally, like, <laughs> honestly, you know, because here, here's the thing. I and, and, and I know I'm sorry, I'm taking this off track, but no, you're good. Um, uh, I have resigned myself to the fact that it, that showing this art, sharing this art is the thing, right? That's mm -hmm. the thing. And so if in service to the thing, something happens to a piece of art, so be it. Um, you know, I've, I digitally archive everything, right? Everything is safe. From that perspective um and so um but it is worth it like i do have friends and you know collect how you want i don't care right um but i have a mission and my mission is to share this art i have friends who literally lock all their art away in a pitch black closet so so that zero light hits them right but like i would rather share something for 30 years 20 years 10 years and then have something happen to it and then me say, well, hey, like I got this out to the people for 10 mm -hmm. years. I got this up to the people for 20 years. I am not overly concerned about like 
light sources fading my art because you know i do i take all the precautions i can i frame in museum grade plexi yes some amount of uv does still get to the art but if i get two to five percent color degradation in in the process of sharing that art with the people for 50 fucking years (laughs) i don't care i literally don't care so that's uh, doing the lord's work thank you but that's (laughs) that's why i like so like i said if something happens when it's me, fine, so be it. I'm I'm doing it in service to the thing. Yeah. Um, so I get very animated when I talk about this. Stuff. No, man, no. you're passionate about it. And that comes <laughs> across when you talk about it. Yeah, it's, a, yeah, it's very good. I and mean, I, I agree with your point of view. I mean, to be frank, I definitely agree that like art should is there to be seen by people. It's to right. be enjoyed. Yeah. I mean, that's that's how I came across your Twitter, just like seeing a post somewhere, maybe Twitter, maybe Reddit, and just like wow, like, I remember that. That's so cool that this, this thing exists. Um, and, and we got to have you on the show. <laughs> it is really funny too, that like the nostalgia, cause like the wow factor from the magazine, that art, like it, it's completely detached from the more I, I show it, the more I realize this, it's completely detached from any nostalgia for the actual games or the contents. <laughs> like the magazine holds a specific nostalgia mm-hmm. of, you know, laying on you know an, on a sleeping bed while you're you know or a sleeping bag while you're camping you know flipping through it when you're nine or like again pulling it out of the mailbox for the first time like there's like the darkwing duck cover for instance is probably one of my like as far as like covers that people really like gravitate to and talk about a lot and and like give me positive feedback that cover has made a grown man cry at a convention right oh. um but uh, but like the game oh yeah, it's, <laughs> right? it's fine it's right. fine. Like the Turbo Graphics one is garbage, but uh, but the NES one is it's fine. But like no one is like, oh my god, Darkwing Duck was my favorite game ever. <laughs> um, you know, it has more to do with honestly, like the show. If anyone have, it melts down over anything, but like, but but yeah, it's uh, the 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 nostalgia for the magazine is like a separate thing in and of itself, and it's really interesting because I just don't know that I don't know that many other publications have that have that gravitas in and of itself versus like whatever the publication is about. Like, right. I, you know, it's, it's really fascinating. Going through this issue, this episode and our magazine covers, I can assure you that no other publication had the effects Nintendo power had on me going through all the different magazines. It was like more about the game, like you said, yeah. than, than the magazine itself. Even if you go to like LinkedIn and you look mm-hmm. at like developer profiles, the, the the number of of times that someone actually lists on their LinkedIn like oh my game was featured in Nintendo Power like that's such <laughs> that's like such a like that carried them through mm-hmm. into their adulthood you know or like you know it's like throughout their whole career that's the thing they're proud of that's like cool. yep. more than actually shipping the game right yeah. <laughs> like yeah wild <laughs> so all right Brian let's get yeah. dangerous well, yeah I don't know <laughs> what are we talking about speaking <laughs> of which. Uh, not a particularly fond of the game, but the cover of the magazine, everything else in there, volume 74, we're talking about Donkey Kong Land mm. for the Game Boy, which I probably dabbled in. Uh, you know, Donkey Kong Country is the game that meant way more to me. Donkey mm. Kong Land was just a poor imitation of that. They, 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 they basically did it, but it wasn't what I was looking for exactly. But the main thing in here, and on the cover, it it kind of teases it. Epic Center, which was already one of my favorite um, kind of 
things in any of these magazines. That's where they talked about all the different RPGs, Mm -hmm. but we are going over Chrono Trigger. And uh, this, to my knowledge, was one of the first time that they showed kind of a big expose on the game. It is tragic that we never got a cover. I know. I don't don't understand. I do not understand how fucking... Pugsley's Pugsley's scavenger hunt. <laughs> oh right, cover. and yet Chrono Trigger does not. Do not yeah. understand. Earthworm Jim gets two covers, and and here we are, no Chrono Trigger. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Epic Center. We just get a whole thing on Chrono Trigger. Uh, we get all that nice big art, and this this reads like a a novel. I mean, it's it's mostly words uh which was kind of rare for this magazine and in, in my experience it was just a lot of talking about the game and and what you were gonna kind of experience here talking about the past and future continental drift so how the the continents actually kind of expand over time uh, just crazy seeing all this kind of stuff on it and the game not even being out and and yeah just this was again what I was looking for. I, I think I mentioned my brother was the, the source of most of my early Nintendo powers, and then I picked up the mantle at a certain point. And I this was one of those games that he introduced to me and said, "You're not going to be able to beat this game. You are too much of a, a toddler that you're not going to be able to beat Magus or, or any major boss in that." So I took that as a challenge, and and it became yeah one of my favorite games for sure. So anytime I could see it in, in one of these magazines was, was amazing. Yeah. It's so. a good pick, man. Yeah. Not the uh, one I had picked for you. You still okay. haven't talked about that yeah. one. I, I'm well, starting to think not, it's not, not going to come most up. Brian of issues. Maybe so, I was yeah. wrong. Maybe we I don't know this it. man. Maybe yeah. I don't know this man. I, I feel I mean, like I the number one is, really. is a big one. That's true. So, I'll say. <laughs> I mean, you don't know either of us. Steph. That's true. <laughs> yeah. we, uh, one last thing uh, coming in next issue. We got a virtual boy special. So that was something to look forward to. Oh, was yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Not so sure about that one. Do we all have experience with the virtual boy hands on? Yeah, we do. Actually, yeah. I have. I don't know if you can see it back there on my there. there. Oh, oh, I see it. Is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> but that is actually uh, that's um, modded to actually be RGB. So that's actually I can it I can play virtual boy on my television. Wow. I don't I don't recommend it. Uh, <laughs> mostly because like you have to, um, for instance, um, uh, the uh, tennis game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You have to like, you don't have the depth perception, so you have to just figure out like, uh, oh, I know how big the ball is when I'm supposed to hit it. Uh, and right. so it's uh, the games that require depth perception as a mechanic, uh, it, it's not not a favorable experience. I, I could see that being a problem for sure, <laughs> for sure. Well, good pick, man. Uh, Chrono Trigger, Brian, goes hand in hand, man, like, like peanut butter and jelly. So moving on to my number three. My number three is maybe the best strategy guide of all time, but definitely the most memorable strategy guide from my lifetime. And that is the Super Mario Brothers 3 strategy guide. Mm -hmm. Uh, This was like the pilot and co-pilot issue for my sister and I playing through Super Mario Brothers 3. It had, you know, in the beginning, all the breakdown of the moves and the different power-ups and the different enemies and Uh, I just remember flipping through the different worlds because I did that map thing that you were mentioning earlier, where it was like a shot of the entire level and you could kind of see where everything was in the level, but then, you know, you get the toad houses where you get the, um, the little matching game. Mm -hmm. 
And I remember, you know, sometimes in the later levels, when we get a matching game, vigorously flipping back to the beginning of the, of the, the guide, because they had the screenshots of what the only, I think there were like eight different possible matching games in, in the game. So you could kind of guess two tiles and you would know which one you had. So it would like make you in a way OP, but really as powerful as you had to be in Super Mario Brothers 3 when it came to those later levels. And yeah, it was just a joy to flip through this. There's little, uh, you know, pictures of Mario, hand-drawn pictures of Mario throughout, sprinkled throughout. And there are all those funny little cartoony scenes where he's, you know, having it out with a few Koopa Troopers or avoiding danger or hiding from a boo and they all had to do with the level you were playing with him, him in the frog suit swimming around, you know, the different enemies and big Bertha and all that. And it just like did such a good job of being that extra level of engagement that the game was phenomenal. It was unlike anything I had played before up to that point. And to have this magazine as just something to engross me in that world even more and make me feel like I had a bit of an edge as well. And I, w- I was able to see all the secrets that were there. It, it just made Super Mario Brothers 3 so much more enjoyable, I think, because this game was full of secrets. And I feel like if you didn't have a guide pre-internet age, you weren't going to see them all. You just weren't. And this really allowed the opportunity to like fully enjoy the game. And I, I did, man. Me and my sister played the wheels off this game. And when you said uh, when you said hiding from Abu, I was like the monkey from Aladdin. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> a a- boo, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Abu. So they only Abu. did a handful of those strategy guide issues, mm-hmm. I think. Right? Yeah, four, four of them. It was okay, ninja. So there's there's the four player one that was like the right. weird cover weird. with football players on. Right? I know. Uh, ninja Gaiden. Ninja Gaiden. Mm-hmm. Um, Mario 3, uh, Final Fantasy. Yep. Mm, okay. Yep. Final yep. Fantasy almost made my list, by the way. That strategy guide. That almost made my <laughs> list uh, over issue 14, but issue 14 was the more memorable one for me. Honestly, it was mostly because it was like, okay, they, you know, because they were desperate. Nintendo was desperate to get Westerners playing RPGs. Mm-hmm. Just <laughs> desperate. And like after like the really big push for Dragon Warrior, I don't know if, how many people know, but uh, if you were a subscriber at the time, uh, Nintendo shipped a copy of Dragon Warrior to every Nintendo Power subscriber. Um, and so, uh, I mean, they were really trying to get the Western <laughs> audience to play RPGs. And then I, so like, uh, with the Final Fantasy guide, it was just like, all right, you know what? F it. We're just going to cram this shit down your throat. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, also, uh, all the interior art for that was uh, was Phil Howe as well, who did the uh, the Castlevania painting. Behind Very that. cool. The uh, Yeah, it is funny. I think they learned their lesson from uh, the Dragon Warrior experience, and it carried with them to today when they don't really do a lot of RPGs. <laughs> Well, and even like I, f- I feel like Earthbound, honestly, was right. like they're they're like really last. They're like, okay, all right, if this doesn't work, <laughs> right. we're you know what, fine. But it's like, an I American feel like, Western yeah, RPG, yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I mean, they kind of did the same thing. Like Star Tropics is sort of a like was mm-hmm. like a half step towards that too. Like, like yeah. 
trying to onboard people with the action adventure genre. Um, you like, just got that do, poster too for what, Star Trek. I did. I yeah. It. I was like, what if, what if we do Zelda, but in America? Right. <laughs> 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 Number two. Number, Number two. two. That's it. Uh, volume 22, Metal Storm. This is a very personal pick because uh, not the bestest of episodes or of, of, of volumes, but this is literally the first magazine that I picked up. This is like this wow. was third or fourth grade. I borrowed Mitchell Swan's issue. <laughs> Thank you, Mitchell, wherever you are. Uh, and this is literally the first issue of like, so uh, 28, the Mario Mario world issue right that's 28 yes um that was my that was my first subscribed issue that was the first issue mm-hmm. that i had that like i actually subscribed to but uh 22 was the first issue that i ever held in my hot little hands <laughs> um uh fun story about the uh the metal storm robot he the cover is a hundred percent a gundam kitbash um it's basically <laughs> um it's basically a gundam with the head removed that's um, <laughs> um, in fact there is a the only surviving that i could find the only surviving image of this model um uh, is in our archive and it's a polaroid of this robot sitting on a table in this pose but with the head on um, oh, wow. and uh <laughs> we have so, yeah, to avoid I, copyrights let's take the head off <laughs> yeah but then which is interesting because um is it in the it's not the poster here right the, the poster in this one is an awesome battle toads poster oh, by the way sick Nice. Um, Talk about rare. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> hey, let's see what you did. Um, but then, but then also like the interior robot that they used was a different, like it is actually a clay sculpture. Like, so they kit bashed the cover for whatever reason. Interesting. And then used an actual clay sculpture for the interior model, huh. which was strange. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I also love it because Metal Storm's a great game, you know, uh, hard, but not unforgiving. Um, yeah, I really like it a lot. Um, also, in this ep- in, in this issue, I will say episode. In this issue is a like a physical teardown of both the NES and the Game Boy. Wow! Like, oh wow! At a technical level, which is just like it blew me away because like the magazine. This was still early enough where they're, they're just like, no, this is like for kids. We're pointed at kids, and yet they do like this really like in depth teardown of like the game wow, boy it's got the board and, like, and everything yeah. yeah and it's just like let's talk about the ppu for the nes and just like all this like crazy you know like look here's a whole breakdown like inside yeah. the nes and it's just like literally has like eight, here's eight the difference between a ppu and a c and right. a cpu jimmy yeah like, eight-year-olds love this stuff yeah exactly yeah, and it's just yeah. like but it was just like I, I, I guess I feel like they went, you know what? Like kids can understand more. Like, I feel like they, they gave them a little bit of credit in mm-hmm. doing that. Right. Like yeah, it's true. Like, you know, so, uh, so yeah, great. 
solid issue. Um, my number two pick, I actually mentioned offline that number two was like the hardest mm-hmm. for me to identify, but this made it just again, because it was just such a personal, personal pick for yeah. me. And it has two twos in the volume. So, That's you right. know, hey, it was meant to be Mitchell Swan. You may not know what you started. That's right. Right. <laughs> I mean, I did. I had never thought of that. He really is like the progenitor of like everything that I wow. do today. Yeah, pretty wild. Because, um, you know, that that I don't know if it's this particular issue, but like close to that, too, was like um, when I decided like this was what I wanted to do for a living. Like I've I've known that I wanted to be in games since I was in fourth grade. And like who gets to say that? Very few people actually do the thing that they wanted to do right. when they grew up. Right. Um and uh, so I, I feel very fortunate for that, and that's that's a hundred percent like the magazine's fault that I that yeah. I like pursued that passion. <laughs> yeah, the rest of us who had that dream just talk about them now. Okay. <laughs> we just have podcasts, right? Hey, yeah, this right. is like I love doing this though, man, yeah. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate the passion. You know, it's like um, I knew I had to involve myself with video games somehow. So let me right. just like insert myself into this little corner over here and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> So you, you bring up an interesting point, just kind of talking about the teardown of these systems. I feel like Nintendo Power went through a couple of different iterations of its own voice. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I noticed it growing up with it and subscribing to it. Whenever they changed that logo, it mm-hmm. felt like a, a different monster each mm-hmm. time. And I had to kind of relearn like, okay, what am I actually looking at here? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the voice changed every single time when, when that happens. Um, so yeah, I just, I feel like, you know, I think I was looking through and there's like four different main Nintendo power logos. They mm-hmm. maybe, maybe there's one more. Um, but did, did you find that kind of going through the magazine that this, this feels like an era and, and it's very different from, from this other one? Yeah. There's a couple things that a couple of events that sort of happened that I, uh, that I also find uh, to your point. Yes. The logo change was definitely like a, a big milestones for them. Um, changing the binding also uh, really not, a, not even really just the, the voice necessarily, but like the look and feel of the magazine dramatically changed. Like when it went to like side side staples and you know, that kind of thing. And then it went back to, to the perfect binding. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, also there was a, a point in time and it was around it was around the N64 era where they moved the entire magazine in house. Um, and uh-huh. so instead of them using a lot of like Japanese outsourcing, for instance, um, it was all internal. Um, and it was it was uh, and that was also sort of when they went to desktop publishing, right? Like the, the with it where instead of having paste ups that were literally you know, each page was used a glue stick to actually put them together um, where they went into like actual digital production. You know, that changed the, the flavor of the magazine. Um, of course, when they started to actually run ads, because the magazine sure. was ad free for a, a significant you know bulk of its of its run. And and so, you know, it made it obviously feel more commercial when right. when, when ads showed up. Um yeah, I mean, there's there's been some some real tonal shifts over the years, but certainly like the the every, every time they change that logo, it's definitely it was definitely a, a herald of change, right? <laughs> yeah, it was. So one of the things going back, I know it's your turn, Brian. Um, 
going back and looking through these was like, man, you got an incredible amount of magazine back in the day. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, it's no matter what publication you're getting, it's half advertised. Oh, yeah, for sure. And sometimes more depending on the publication. But looking at these early Nintendo powers, it is meat. It is full of meat and information (laughs) and pictures and it's it really Poster. something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other thing that I love about the magazine, I talked to Gail Tilden a lot, the original uh, editor-in-chief. She's a wonderful woman, and uh, we have blessedly become friends. But um, at least for her tenure there, before she went and started a little thing called Pokemon, um, she uh, none of the covers were paid. So um, the games, which is why I questioned Pugly Scavenger Hunt. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> uh, how did that happen? But uh, I guess it was just a slow month. But they, they would get together as a committee and say, okay, like, what are the top performing games? And like the top performer would get the cover. And then the next top performer would get like, okay, so what are we going to do? Who's going to get the 10 page this, mm-hmm. this issue, right? But it was all done based off of quality of game and popularity. There was never... There was never any like monetary guidance That's cool. um, for content, and and I honestly I think you feel that absolutely yeah. do yeah 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 definitely. All right, well then, moving on to my number two, it is Nintendo Power Volume Fifty. This was the first one that I came across that felt like a significant milestone. Uh, I remember getting this one. This was at the point where I was the subscriber, not my brother anymore. And I remember flipping through this one. You know, first you get that cover. This was my top cover uh, of, of uh, the episode where we were just talking about covers of, of gaming magazines. But you get a whole spread of all the issues up to that point. So all 50 covers are just beautifully displayed um, that you can see them all. And I, I was just blown away by that. And I want to talk about the contest. Um, well, first, the uh, Link's Awakening is is the big thing that is going on in this. Um, the whole map is there. You can see all the different tiles that are in place um, because that was one of the games where you move, you know, tile to mm-hmm. tile, like the original Zelda. Um, but the contest, um, I'm trying to flip through it to that one. Uh, we have five top prizes um, for you know, the 50th volume here, you get to choose. It says, choose one of your five grand prizes. And there's one that's like way better than the rest. So you can either have 50 pounds of quarters. You can have an arcade party of 50 friends. You can have a $500 gift certificate, five game boys with five games or a game of week, a game every single week for 50 weeks. What? And that that feels like the one that you should choose because that's that's a lot of money right there. Plus, like fifty games is a lot of games for the system. Uh, but yeah, I I don't think I entered this contest. I didn't really enter maybe one or two uh, during the time. But so fifty pounds one. fifty pounds of quarters est- is, is estimated to be about a thousand dollars. Okay. So yeah, you know, it's a good so, chunk of change. Yeah, sure. the five hundred dollars gift certificate is is not that great. <laughs> no, even at, no. even at the time. Take the fifty pounds of quarters. Exactly. <laughs> huh. I wonder. I wonder if anybody that I talked to remembers like what they chose, because someone had to actually yeah. choose the prize. Right. Right. So, right. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah. Very very cool contest. Yeah. So <laughs> how many people won? Just one winner. And you got to choose between those options? Uh, it, it looks like, yeah, I think one winner. I'm trying to see oh, if it, man. yeah. Usually a grand prize is one. 
right right yeah wild and then like <laughs> what a choice three to five can you imagine being a kid and winning that the choice that's your, what you won the choice right. that you have to now make that's a oh, lot of geez. pressure man I, I do remember the one that I entered in was for the Zora guitar for Majora's Mask. That was the one I really, oh, really wanted. I've been looking for that thing so hard. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have a couple weird ones like that. You see that N64 snowboard behind me. That's a oh, that's okay. A, that's a prize winning. Thing. Very cool. Okay. They had that in power supplies too. They did. Um, but was it a different one or, or was no, it the, the same one? Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> the There's a couple of things that were just like early on, especially like the, the like I have a, remote control car that was just like a retail remote control car um <laughs> that was a prize but um honestly the 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 hard prizes which shouldn't be because they give 50 of them out every issue but the t-shirts the t-shirts are oh, yeah. really difficult to find and i'm like huh. i don't understand like why that is because there should be a shitload of them right right everyone think, yeah, wore them to the end <laughs> yeah yeah uh one thing i was going to mention before we moved on about this um is that uh, that cover is a Dan McGowan cover. Um, and um, here is a Xerox copy of it. Wow. wow. Oh, um, Brian, yeah, that was without, Brian's number one, I think. Yeah, right? without the gold. That's it. Oh, um, nice. And uh, that's, uh, so there's two covers in Dan McGowan's work that uh, in his portfolio that um, is still held on to by the family. Because as I said, he passed away. And uh, his nephew owns this cover, loves it so much. Uh, he has it tattooed on his body. Wow. Uh, so, uh, you know, ethics are definitely involved in what I do. And so when you tell me that, uh, you know, this piece that was drawn by your, you know, dead relative that you have tattooed on your body, um, I, I'm, I'm not going to try to get that from you. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> so. No, I understand that. That's incredible, incredible artwork, though. But uh, fortunately, he did, um, you know, have a portfolio that he put together. So I was able to grab this from his portfolio. Yeah, it's a really nice copy. Nice. So milestones are great, Brian. Milestones are great. And issue 50 is a huge milestone. But you know what's a bigger milestone? Volume 100 is a bigger right. milestone. Uh, probably not for the cover, Stefan. Because it is once again one of those CG covers. But even if it wasn't, it's still not a great cover. Like it's No, it's, right. still, it's like Mario busting out of a, the number 100. Yeah. But uh, what kind of list podcast would we be if I didn't include this issue? Because it has the 100 best cheat codes, the top 100 games of all time, as named by the editors at Nintendo Power. Uh, it also has a piece on Zelda 64, because as Brian mentioned earlier in the episode, that is what it was named at this point. And also Conquer's Quest <laughs> which is what that game was called before its large overhaul. Right. Uh, yeah, no, it's a really, really cool issue. Um, You're forgetting the 100 killer ambushes for GoldenEye. Right, but that's like... They were riding the GoldenEye wave for right, several so, issues. Rightfully <laughs> so. But yeah, monumental issue. Uh, I really liked the lists and seeing what the best games were. Uh, number one was Mario 64 course as it would be during that time frame this but number, is my surprise face yeah number two link to the past <laughs> though link to the past was number two so um t- wasn't I, tetris up there too i think tetris tetris is so it's not a game people would include on their like best games of all time list but tetris is undoubtedly one of the best games of all time right? in my opinion sure. like it's never going to make anybody's list because it's not that flashy pick and it's not the experience that people get from other games but man tetris is a marvel uh and deserves to be high up on anyone's list 
but yeah, that's that's my pick for number two, issue one hundred. Uh, nice, big, big monumental issue. Nice, issue one, huh? All right. First of all, it, it, just for clarity, it's not issue one. Okay, uh, <laughs> because uh, I felt like that was like low hanging fruit. I also mm-hmm. felt like like it's just like of course it's an important issue. Like right. so, it's like I I, I tried to do something. So that we didn't all have like number one on that, that that was my scared my my scared thing was that sure. like we would all have number one as our uh our list our, our number one so uh but the actual best issue of Nintendo Power ever oh, wow. uh is uh volume forty four which is <laughs> uh, a bonus issue Mickey's Magical Quest first of all it's gigantic let me like let me just like, <laughs> like any other issue next to it like you can just like see how much. Oh my gosh. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's enormous. Um, also a Dan McGowan cover. I also happen to have it. It's over there. There it is. Oh, nice. So before Um, you, before you get started, Stefan, I did want to ask, are you, are you a big fan of Mickey? Because you worked on two Mickey games, didn't you? Uh, well, yeah, I was with Disney for nine years. I know. Um, (laughs) I I saw that. uh, I I have a a large a large swath of uh, Disney titles under my belt. I I mostly worked on um, Disney Channel properties, mm-hmm. so you know I've done like nine SKUs of Hannah Montana. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I worked on Epic Mickey one and two. Very cool, um, nice. Uh, both you know really uh, ranged from really good to at least innovative like you right. know like either either genuinely good and succeeding at what they were trying to do at mm-hmm. or like not necessarily succeeding at what they were trying to do at but at least they're trying yeah like, yeah they're well regarded games yeah, sure. yeah. yeah um i don't know that i would really consider myself a mickey fan only that it was you know shoved down my throat <laughs> nine years. um but uh but i do love this cover um one special thing about this cover is it is a fold-out cover they don't do i'm not sure they ever did another one honestly mm. um but it is a it is a double wide cover firefighter to mickey <laughs> yes um let me pull up my list because there's just like so much that's awesome about this issue um the Star Fox paper craft there's like an r-wing paper craft <laughs> in this thing that is uh that you can put together yourself wow. Wow. Um, there is um, SNES controller stickers for um, a- actually and, and NES. Um, these are oh. like controller stickers. Uh, oh, and Game Boy too. Um, lot oh, upside down. Hey, that's cool. Um, just there's just so much, so much content. Um, also amazing is the robot design contest for Mega Man. Was it four or five? Where they allowed uh, kids to design their own Mega Man robot and like, remember this? Uh, oh wow! Like, <laughs> actually, the the guy that did the eyeball there on that panel, uh is on is on Twitter. <laughs> He's very proud of it. Nice. Um, but uh, but yeah, so like the that that was again. I you know I think I've alluded to before that I really like issues that um do um a lot of like user generated content and mm-hmm. so i love that also like a pull out uh mario paint thing like there's just <laughs> like this 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 issue just goes forever um on just how how amazing and how much content and just um i mean the the contest is kind of weak it's like a hockey contest so i guess if you like <laughs> hockey it's fine uh you can go see the san jose sharks Hey, uh, during that time, they were they were the new team on the block. 
fine. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, between the between the all, the all the Mega Man uh coverage in this and um, you crashed us, tummies. Now, now, I'm through it. uh, there's there's an issue of of uh, the Mario comic. Um, I I also uh just happens to this issue is the issue that I own the most art out of. Mm. Um, I have all of the magical quest interior art. For this, wow. I have the cover. I have a lot of the Mega Man art from this, not the user art, but there's a lot of Mega Man coverage in here as well that I that I have art for. Um, so by by far, I have the like my very very difficult to attain dream is to eventually have an issue where I own all of the art for it. Um, and despite the fact that this is the largest issue that they ever did for the magazine, I think. Um, or maybe you know, th- I think they did a Zelda issue that was way later. That was it was really that Ocarina cool. of Time one, was yeah, yeah, really yeah, yeah. big. Yeah, I think it was really yeah. big, but but anyway, um, I'm probably the closest to having all of the art uh, up from this issue. Nice. So, um, why why'd they make it so big? It's just it's issue 44. It was it's there, a, a, it's the a yearly reason? bonus issue, okay, it's okay, bonus right. issue, right? So, like, <laughs> also, well, what else was the bonus issue? The um, the Mega Man X mm-hmm. issue with the silver cover oh. and the pogs. Right, yeah. and there was uh, okay. a, a melee one where you got the music right for melee. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this was this was a this was a bonus issue, and also these are the issues. Um, going back to Brian's earlier point about like when the magazine changed, this was usually end of year or beginning of year, and um, and so this was like the bonus issues were often like when they were going to like change sections or change you know uh, different editorials and that kind of thing. They, sure, the big change came in in these yeah. issues. Man, cool! I would have never known issue forty-four was <laughs> by far the best issue of Nintendo. Nice. I mean, those stickers alone are yeah, right, prime yeah. stuff, man. Yeah. You too could uh, could have an R wing floating, right? Like, <laughs> that's incredible stuff, definitely. Yeah. yeah, and it's like on cardstock; it's really nice. Wow. Yeah, and a great game to boot. I, I See, love how do you game. how do you stop yourself from putting that together? <laughs> I'd be uh, like, oh, I want to do this. Paper you have first. you have more than one copy of this. Oh, because <laughs> <laughs> I also when I whenever I frame something, I I uh, oh I have all the Jetsons art from this too. Um, wow. I uh, I generally frame art with the pages because it's like it's it cuts down on having to explain things. <laughs> Um, right. because uh, oftentimes no one can really wrap their hand around easily that like oh this is the actual art that I'm looking at mm-hmm. and it survived 30 years um, and so people think that they're prints or people think that they're posters of some kind or some like or that I painted everything um, I, I get a lot of people who think that I painted all of all of this um, quite the talent <laughs> yeah that's right especially when I would have been like in third grade <laughs> right. uh, <laughs> so uh so yeah, I I tend to frame everything with the actual published image. Um, so I have um, probably to the chagrin of many people listening to this right now, I have destroyed a vast number of issues um, because I can never get like, again, this is all about sharing. Sharing is the thing. And so I can never get the fidelity from like a, a photocopy, for instance, or a printer mm-hmm. um, of, of an image as I can from like actually just pulling the page out of the magazine. Right, right. So I have butchered a number. I never throw anything away if that makes anybody feel any better. I have a, <laughs> I have a box of donors. Um, but uh, but yeah, so. Yeah. Well, I could I could cool. let you know my address for those donors later on. Right. If <laughs> right. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. If you want like three quarters of a bunch of magazines, that's. 
No, no, I, uh, I may be purchasing them on my own. Uh, that's really cool. Plus you're pulling that page for the greater good. I mean, that's right. right. Speaking of that, uh, I saw in one of these issues, as I was looking through, you could get issues one through 50 for $50 at one time, which is wild to think about right now. Yeah. There so. are uh, a lot of the people who like uh, are into like CGC grading because CGC does do they do graded comic books. Mm-hmm. Um, I have one over there just out of reach, but <laughs> um, but uh, that that particular like order like people are seeking those out because they were like a printed later, so they were in better sure. shape. But also, you know, a lot of them just sat in a box together. But right. but not honestly. Because the covers on these were printed on garbage using garbage ink. Like it was really like, especially the earlier issues in Nintendo Power, like you can get like, you know, where you handle newsprint and like comes off on your fingers. That should happen with Nintendo Powers. Um, The earlier covers will actually just like rub off in your hands. Um, And so, so they, they'd get this box of 50 comics, right? And just, just the jostling from life, you know, just like whatever. It's sitting in a box somewhere getting, you know, jostled by the rotation of the earth, you know, um, <laughs> it causes cover rub. And so like even these even these magazines that haven't been touched in in, you know, 30 years are not in pristine condition because they've been rubbing on each other. Wow. Um, so it's actually devastatingly difficult, especially like the first like I'd say 12 issues or so uh, devastatingly difficult to get high grade. Uh, copies of Nintendo Powers. It's just like anything over a nine is just like ridiculous. And even approaching anything close to a nine is ridiculously difficult. Wow. Yeah. Makes sense though. Uh, Yeah. CGC is my neck of the woods, actually. They're right like a few miles from my house. They're only like 15 miles from where I live. Yeah. Taking some Nintendo Powers. (laughs) Cool. All right. Well, we're at my number one. Is that right? Uh, You're number one. And I don't think the the volume uh, that I had pegged for you is going to make it. I don't think so either, because this is one that's already been said, and it is uh, Ryan number 100. That was the one for me. Whoa. Uh, wow. Terrible, terrible cover. Yeah. But I spent so much time going through that list of 100 games uh, just over and over again. Uh, of course, we get our Banjo-Kazooie, um, and it's using the old, old um logo for banjo kazoo that was not used for the game uh they kind of go over different aspects of it so this was definitely a preview of of the game uh oh ken griffey jr we just I talked know. about him ken griffey jr <laughs> baseball man uh and then yeah conqueror's quest this was one of the times that you know i i was a, a fan of rare was looking forward to conquer's game and i was counting on nintendo power to lead me through to release and then they inexplicably stopped talking about it <laughs> And then I see it on the shelf and and reach for it and and denied sale. Yeah, that's right. That's of my age. That's right. <laughs> so that was yeah. Nintendo Power just just you know they they were leading me down this path and I was so excited and and uh, I got let down there. But that that's just history. So again, we get all the different covers. I don't. It, it's not laid out as well as it's that. On a, it's on a poster, that, I think. Right. I mean, uh, it's hard to tell. So I'm looking at a, a scan of it, oh. but it, it I think it might be just just by the shape of the pages here. I know the 50th issue had it was a poster. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, they're they're kind of crammed in here, kind of overlapping each other. They had to get you know double the amount, so a little bit more difficult. Uh, but it is cool seeing these golden eye top down views of the levels. Um, I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, lots of different codes. Uh, we have done an episode on uh, our top ten. 
uh, cheats or codes or whatnot. Mm. So it was cool to see that there. Uh, but yeah, it's got the overall, list. It's, got the it's, list. it's the list, you know, the, and that, that to, to your point, Ryan, you know, we are a list-based podcast. I had to have uh, this, this as my number one for sure. Damn right. Yep. Volume 100. I have a question about lists for you guys and Nintendo power. Sure. Did it occur to you as children? Because I don't think it occurred to me as, as a child. I guess I shouldn't be leading you, but anyway, did, did it <laughs> occur to you as children that the lists in Nintendo Power might be skewed by the fact that the magazine was made by the console manufacturer. Maybe not as a kid, but definitely something that... So you say they didn't have any paid content for covers and things like that, right? Correct. Uh, There had to be some precedent set, like you cannot speak badly about any Nintendo game. (laughs) And, you know, that's apparent now as an adult, but as a kid, I... I feel like there was some degree of like letting you down easy for games that were not necessarily of high quality, but even then it wasn't like, this is garbage. Don't right. buy it. Like I'm sure the words do not buy this never appear in the magazine. <laughs> I'm positive of that as well. And, yeah. and um, yeah, but I do think it, it seemed right at the time, you know, looking back, Mario 64 being number one is kind of like, oh man, like not that I, I love Mario 64. I mean, people who would listen to the show know that, but it's it's definitely not a better game than some other games on those on that list. So yeah, looking back, it's like, okay, this was a little skewed probably mm-hmm. for sales at that time or whatever it might be. But I, I I don't think it stood out at all. I was like, heck yeah, Mario 64 rules, mm-hmm. right? You know, with a Z <laughs> on there, because it was the 90s. Yeah. I mean, even the reviews though. Uh, I remember seeing some like one star reviews. It was not a Nintendo game. It was going to be some third party game that was on a Nintendo console. Sure. But yeah, definitely anything Mario Zelda related had to have a four or five next to it or, or a nine or a 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're good games too. Uh, so the, the issue I thought you would pick uh, for somewhere on your list, Brian was uh, volume 66 it has Donkey Kong Country on the cover, Killer, oh, yeah. Killer Instinct in it, Earthworm Jim's in it. It's like sure. t- total Brian fan. That fear. is, yeah, Final Fantasy three. Um, I, I did have that on my short list here, but okay. that, that one did not make it. Man, yeah. who, who are you, really? I know. It's like I, I don't even know you. <laughs> uh, but so, Brian, moving on to my number one, it's the memories we made along the way. No, because you can't, you can't <laughs> no, <cop out. laughs> I'm not coughing out. But my number one is issue one forty eight. With the Brian artwork. I'm serious about this. My boy right here. I'd put an arm around you if you were here, Brian. He got to achieve a rare childhood dream. And I am am damn proud of you, dude. You you, were published in Nintendo Power. Like That's pretty great. Despite (laughs) all the names that Stefan listed this episode, it's something not many people have done. Being published in Nintendo Power is not part of my my title list. (laughs) Right. I wish I had drawn something more than Sonic Advance, but well, it's it's like, it is kind of funny that you're but you're published with Sonic. That's right. what I said. That's what I said. That's I think that's, that's like extra great. Super like yeah, punk rock, dude. You're like, there oh, you I'm go. gonna get published in Nintendo Power drawing for drawing Sonic the Hedgehog. Right. That's like really <laughs> rebel. Um, I, yeah, yeah, I had to pick it, Brian. Like, how often do I get the chance to do this on our show? Sweet. Uh, yeah, sometimes <laughs> I, I crack jokes at your expense and, and you take it like a champ. But uh, <laughs> man, this is incredible. Like something yeah. you could hang your hat on. How 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 
how much do you look at that as an adult like and and go like oh my god that that's like something special or it, is it just it like- feels pretty cool you know i i'm i'm talking to reggie now i said hey i read your book i'm going to i'm going to let you in on a little secret here I, i'm i'm in the the magazine uh but yeah i don't know it's i that's that's the one issue i have held on to because again yeah i had a similar thing of kind of getting rid of them and and not being able to bring them move to move uh but yeah, I, I, it is, it is something I cherish for sure. Love it. The reason I ask is because, uh, uh, even though, yeah, it bums me out that I was never published in the thing that I dedicate <laughs> my life to, Brian. Uh, <laughs> I should not have brought this I up. Did, I apologize. I, no, I did. Uh, I have been published a couple times in Game Informer. Recently. Oh, nice. And oh, nice. like that was, you know, for people who don't know, Game Informer is, I think it's like the last widely distributed print magazine for mm-hmm. games physically so like i felt like i got in under the wire right (laughs) um so and that was like a really big deal for me um totally and uh i can't imagine what it would be like if that was also nintendo power (laughs) so Uh, what was the what was your game informer publication uh, one of them they did uh like a um an exo an expose on just like the room behind you essentially Ah, uh, or the room behind me essentially but um just like a, a collector's profile, but then they recently in the uh, in the Elden Ring issue actually um, did um, one of their writers did an, a, a a very in depth article about uh, Nintendo gameplay counselors. And for those who don't know, the other thing that I specialize in is Nintendo gameplay counselors. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they used me as a source, and that was really fulfilling too cool. because it, um, like that's that's the other like one of the other components to my 501c3 that i that i i want to like do more of and anytime i do get the opportunity to do i i cherish is is uh contributing to research right i definitely don't have the time to do the research myself mostly uh please see my very scant youtube channel um (laughs) but uh but so then but i do love to be able to like you know a a researcher will come to me for something and i'm able to provide data for them that's really special to me so um that makes me feel like an actual historian yeah oh i would absolutely call you an actual historian (laughs) no you are not a pretend historian (laughs) you have quite the collection going and uh yeah you're doing a lot for preservation for sure um and uh, before we go into our debrief, I did want to give you the opportunity to shout out any upcoming projects or anything that you want to draw people's attention to coming up. Can I have, since I'm the guest, another honorable mention? Of course. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> How could we say uh, no to you? <laughs> it is a Nintendo publication, but not an issue, like numbered issue of Nintendo Power. It is a strategy guide. And that is the Earthbound Strategy Guide. Nice. Um <laughs> That guide, first of all, every model in that magazine is a hand sculpted clay sculpture, and there's like hundreds of them. And people ask, like, what my holy grail is, and usually say, oh, it's whatever the next thing is that I don't know about, which is true, right? Like when you're when you're hunting for things that you don't aren't that you aren't sure exist. Um, mm-hmm. the holy grail is like whatever it is that I find tomorrow, right? Like the whole <laughs> the holy grail yesterday would have been Howard Phillips' desk name and now i have that right i'm just Um, gonna go ahead and delete that question now from uh our questions at the end here there you go uh so but but my if if i had to actually pick something right um then then those maquettes from that strategy guide is like is it like and because i have this fantasy as well that if one of them still exists that they probably all exist and they're probably (laughs) in a box together 
right? right. And yeah. so like I have this like fantasy where I discover the box <laughs> and I have all the sculptures from the Earthbound Strategy Guide. But also not only that, but like the style, like just the 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 sheer like swagger of that strategy guide is intensely cool like it's put together like 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 a froman's travel guide essentially if Mm -hmm. anyone hasn't looked at it in a while um where there's like check out the pyramids of egypt and like or like whatever and then they have this like thing on on you know it's like it it, it's it's not just screenshots and information like it's 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 telling you a story that is earthbound and it's just like it's so, and it came with the fucking game. That's right. cool. That's amazing. Um, yeah. And what a so, game for uh, a strategy guide. It almost needs one. Right. Earthbound almost <laughs> needs one. Yeah. So, yeah, I wanted to get an extra honorable mention because I was thinking about that a lot. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I can plug some stuff. Um, uh, if you do want to see the physical show, so just a recap uh, the interactive art collection is a 501c3 nonprofit that focuses on the uh, mostly the original art of the video game industry. I would probably widen that to original art and other like niche historical uh, portions of the game industry. I really love to focus on uh, parts of the industry that aren't widely known or have been easily forgotten or, uh, you know, that kind of thing, which is how I got so into Nintendo gameplay counselors. Um, But uh, so we are a 501c3 nonprofit. Uh, The primary thing that we do is we take this vast art collection that I've built um, and I share it at, uh, at conventions mostly, uh, cause it's really, you know, uh, a brick and mortar museum is very expensive, um, and more expensive than I have the funding for clearly. Um, so until I get some wealthy benef- benefactor that donates me a building, I am a nonprofit. You can totally do that. Um, <laughs> uh, so if any of our listeners have a building, that's right. Please donate it. You can get a fat <laughs> tax write off for donating me a building. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so we piggyback off of retro game conventions mostly, and we do art exhibits. Um, normally I have about 40 frames there, but that's not 40 pieces of art. Usually that's around a hundred pieces of art because I frame more than one thing in a frame. Um, uh, and that, ver- that goes from not just like paintings, but also like I bring the, the sculptures with me a lot. Like I have the, I think you mentioned it in a previous episode. I have one of the, the, the Wiley ship from Mega Man two. I have the, the shoes from the track and field cover. Those are crazy. <laughs> um, it, you know, I, all the stuff that you would, when you see it, you will go, I don't understand how this still exists. Like right. that's the stuff that I really like love. And, uh, and I will bring it to a show near you and show it to you. Um, as we said earlier, I am based in Southern California. So most of my uh, shows are in relative driving distance of Southern California. Um, I am doing, uh, as, of, as of today, uh, I am doing uh, the Game On convention in Phoenix, Arizona in August. Uh, and I'm also going to be doing Portland Retro Gaming Expo. Uh, this year as well. Um, there's also a, I live in Simi Valley, California, and there is a uh, there's a local co- uh, convention in September, I think, um, that I will also probably be at, just because it's literally no problem for me to go to. Um, the other thing I should plug is I do also have a podcast. I am one third of the Collector's Quest podcast. Um, we uh, I I'm actually on there a lot less these days because life is demanding, but um, but if you want to really kind of listen to a podcast that drills down on the like really nitty gritty uh, aspects of collecting in in uh, in games, 
uh, then I highly recommend us uh, there. And you can listen to us wherever pods are casted. I think that's all I want to like. I can't talk about work projects mostly. Go play, <laughs> go play the quarry. That's going to be cool. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's what I got to plug. Awesome. Sweet. Awesome. Well, without further ado, I say we go ahead and take this little short break and then we'll go and get into our debriefs. All right. Well, before we get into our debrief, Stefan, uh, we had a few questions we wanted to ask you. Go on. So how did you decide that you wanted to collect Nintendo power art? What was uh, it? Was there one specific moment? <laughs> yeah. So there's a journey to this. Um, so I forever had like a shoebox collection of video games, right? Like that. It was like, I, uh, I feel like the, the, I would have gotten into collecting game stuff earlier had I not also been in the game industry. Cause it's just like, much like honestly this happens with artists too it's it's it, there's a it, there's a certain pers- a certain amount of like this is a thing that i made how can there be any value to it right <laughs> um maybe that's um like imposter syndrome to a certain mm-hmm. extent but uh but so i didn't think to which now breaks my heart because like the amount of like prototypes and unreleased whatever that like passed over my desk in the last 20 years is like heartbreaking as a collector knowing I just like threw all that shit in the trash. <laughs> um, but, uh, but so uh, honestly it started um, and we're going to get to know each other real quick. Right? Um, it started when uh, my wife at the time uh, got uh, diagnosed with cancer. Um, and I was uh, trying to find something to sort of distract myself from that. And I had, uh, I mentioned, Kevin Eastman being heavily involved in my in my life, and that was uh, lar- largely in part to the fact that I was I before I collected all of this stuff, I was a very big toy collector, uh, namely Ninja Turtles, and um, I had gotten to like my definition of done for toy collecting, where like I literally had everything Playmates ever released ever. I had this is before IDW, so I had literally every variant of every single uh, comic that was ever published wow. for Ninja Turtles. Like I legit had everything. <laughs> and uh, so I got to this definition of done where, and and I don't know, you know, everyone collects differently, but for me, as soon as I hit that, it stopped, that collection stopped being something like living and breathing that I was like feeding and growing. And it was just this like weight around my neck. It was just this, like, I, I would like sit in the collection room and go, okay, this is a thing I did. Mm-hmm. And uh Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's just a, a lot of like existential quandaries around it. Like, does this collection define me? Like, like, right. you know, what would I be if I got rid of it? So like around that same time, my wife got sick. And so I had this piggy bank essentially of a toy collection, uh, that I didn't really care about anymore. And I was looking for something else to do. Uh, and so, you know, I, I was one of those kids that always had that like thing in the back of my head. of just like, Oh, I wonder what it would be like if I owned every video game. <laughs> and I was like, all right, well, let's start that quest. <laughs> um, and so originally I was a set collector um, and I did 12 North American sets before I decided I didn't want to do that anymore. And that was all the big ones like NES and wow. my, super, my Super Nintendo set is still right here. My yeah. statues are guarding it. Um, <laughs> and, and actually, that's that's a North American 3DO set back there. If wow. you ever wanted... 3do um <laughs> it's cool um but uh yeah so i did 12 north american sets 
Um, it was around 10,000 ish games. And, um, and then I was like, you know what? I am enjoying collecting this stuff more than I am anything else. And I'm enjoying the hunt more than anything else. And, uh, and I, I, and I kind of got to the point where I realized that collecting video games is not difficult. It's just expensive. Yes. Right. Uh, and, <laughs> and, you know, it was at least at the time, and this was before like the sealed graded craze and stuff. And some of that is in sealed graded condition is magnitudes more rare of, mm. you know, than, than like a CIB copy. But by and large, if I wanted something and I could afford it, I could go out and I could find it immediately. Right. right. Um, so I was like, well, I really am enjoying the hunts more than anything else. So I was sitting around, I was like, what is, what's harder to find. And so then I started getting into displays and you can clearly see behind me that I did <laughs> fairly well with that. Yes, you did. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I have all the fiber optic signs and all the posters I wanted and, and, and you know, I obviously didn't get everything, but then I got to, I got to the point where it's like, okay, I kind of have everything that I want, right. That I don't want to spend $10,000 on, you know? Um, and so then I was like, okay, so what's harder? Um, and then I started thinking about, so I actually happened to be, uh, flipping through a issue of Nintendo power one and on the inside cover of Nintendo power one, the first thing you see is an ad for the, the power line, the gameplay counselor power line. Mm -hmm. And there are these kids who were not gameplay counselors. They were actors, but they were dressed as gameplay counselors and they were wearing these gray jackets. And I was like, huh, I wonder if those jackets exist. <laughs> and so that was literally my thought. And I was like, I'm going to go find out. And sure enough, they did exist. And I now have all those counselor jackets. Wow. Um, but so that, but then in that, that was a lot of reaching out to former Nintendo mm -hmm. employees. That was basically what I was doing all day, every day. And meanwhile, my wife is getting sicker and sicker. And spoiler alert, she's no longer with us, but, um, but she was getting sicker and sicker and sicker. So I was having more and more time on my hands. And, and not that I was ignoring her. Don't anybody think that. But, <laughs> uh, but you know, I, I, I just had time. And so, um, so I was dedicating all this time to finding Nintendo employees and and gameplay counselors. And I would go, hey, first it was, it was like, hey, do you have your jacket? Um, <laughs> but then a lot of times it was like, well, I don't have I don't have this thing you're looking for, but I have all this other stuff or like oh, uh, one thing that I that I caught on too quickly. That was a that was a, a boon is that, you know, how if anybody's ever worked a corporate job on your last day of your corporate job, you take a box and you put all the shit that's on your desk in that box. And then that box probably goes in your garage and you don't think about it for 30 years right? until until Stefan Reese comes along and goes, hey, do you have that box? <laughs> and so I started asking specifically for the box that they packed up their desk into on the last day. And sure enough, a lot of them did. So I started getting these boxes of just like random shit. And like some of it was like half off coupons to local restaurants that don't exist anymore, but, <laughs> yeah. that, the, but that the gameplay counselors exhibited you know the you know visited or like but sometimes it was an earthbound ruler which of anybody who doesn't know that's like an 800 dollars ruler wow um, <laughs> but uh you know um so uh, and that's actually how i did in portland 2019 i ended up um creating an exhibit for the gameplay counselors that um that was a recreation of the desk of a gameplay counselor using a hundred percent gameplay counselor used items so television phone uh, wow. consoles. Somebody get games. this man a building. So <laughs> I, I, you need a museum. I recreated, I recreated a gameplay counselor's desk circa 1994. 
Um, that's and, uh, and so, but I was, and I was able to make it look so much more lived in and so much more authentic because I had this random, the boxes of random Mm -hmm. shit. (laughs) Um, and, uh, and so that was really fulfilling, but so, um, so then, so I was looking for, I was, and so during this process, I was also finding, you know, like trophies and 20 year statues and all sorts of like, you know, certificates. I have like somebody's 401k paperwork from Nintendo. Wow. Like, just like all sorts of like, like weird shit. I have all their social security numbers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, so then in the process of that, it was literally just happened by chance to where, again, I was like, okay, I have a lot of this stuff. Like, so what's, what's next? Like I still do the gameplay counselor stuff. That's still something that I'm very passionate about, but I was like, then also now looking for something else to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I was like, okay, so what's harder? What's, what could possibly be harder? And I was uh, talking to a gameplay counselor and he goes, well, I don't have any of my counselor stuff. But once uh, I left gameplay counseling, I went and I drew art for Nintendo Power Magazine. Would you be interested in that? And my mind, like in a, in a, in a very like comical, like animated GIF way, like experience banded into infinity <laughs> and it was just like it had never occurred to me much like i think you know how like a kid never it never occurs to a kid that there's a voice actor behind their favorite character mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it never occurred to me that a somebody had to draw all this art and that b that art might still be out there mm-hmm. um and then i was like oh my god this is like something that no one's really paying attention to in fact, I had like 200 pieces of art before anyone knew I had one, right? Um, like no one was talking about it, even in like the art circles. And everything I find is one of one. Yeah. It was like wow, the promised land. Like for me, for <laughs> yeah. someone who was like looking for something that was genuinely difficult right. to say that almost everything that I'm looking for is one of one um that was my that was my promised land um and then and then it really like from there there was only one more step it's like okay well like this is the most difficult thing to do i don't know where else i could go from here so then what do i do with that and and that's where the nonprofit came from that's where the the museum exhibits came from where it was just like okay well this is the end game the end game is to now share everything that i've done um and that's 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 the story. Yeah. Wow. First, I want to I want to say my condolences. Uh, no, thank you. And also, man, with that, did you run into anybody else who was collecting this sort of thing? Have you run into other collectors and were able to make acquisitions from them, or were you just like the first person to think of this? Because honestly, until Brian shared what you do with me it didn't occur to me either. And I'm like, I'm a 40 year old man. And then it was like, wait a minute, this artwork so, exists. It's real. <laughs> there are a couple other or three, a total of three other people that I can think of off the top of my head that have Nintendo power art and mm-hmm. had it before I did. There was, there was one gentleman who had like a stack of like 20 or 30 images that I are spoiler alert now part of this collection. Um, but there are also um, two collectors who collect mainly cover art mm-hmm. Uh, for video games Uh, but typically as an art collector when you find an artist who has art you just buy it all 
like whatever it is they have you just make a you make a bulk deal if obviously that that sounds very um well to do of me but generally if if you can if you have the budget buy it all it will work out for you right um it will work in your favor and and you know then even if it's something that you don't want like you know uh, i've had artists who were were like uh, commercial did other commercial art like herbal essence tea boxes or like whatever like um someone's going to want it right so and so like being able to like use that for trade bait for instance like that's that's important too um so there are a couple other people off the top of my head i can think of that have a couple um nintendo power covers that i don't have um but that was generally that they found someone who also was doing box art for Mm -hmm. games and that happened to be in there right um but as far as like somebody's uh like seeking out specifically magazine art um, and I'm not doing this to like toot my own horn. I genuinely think I'm the first one who did it. Yeah. Um, just because, you know, and, and part of it was like looking at the art market going like, oh man, this space is like so saturated. All these pieces are so expensive. Like what aren't people looking at? Right. You know? Um, and, and this is such a growing industry and that nostalgia is just more and more present for people of our generation. So yeah, you really hit the nail at the right time on the, right. I mean, not to mix my uh, metaphors here, but <laughs> yeah, really couldn't have happened at a better time. I think. Yeah. I mean, it could have happened sooner. Uh, you know, like, <laughs> I just, it, it always could have happened sooner because like I have this thing in the back of my head and, and some, sometimes it is true. I have run into artists who have thrown things away mm-hmm. or have, you know, um, or just have misplaced them or like, uh, or even like, especially production items, not necessarily art art, but like, uh, Wendy Salvatore, wonderful woman, ha- uh, did the uh, pay steps for almost every page of the first, I don't know, 75 issues, a lot of pages of the magazine. She had them all, every single pay step, which again is like when when they were doing a page of the magazine, they would literally paste it together by hand with a glue stick and an exacto knife and photograph that page. And that's how you got your page. She had all of the pay steps for every page she had ever done. At some point, several years before I met her, she showed them to her children. They're like, yeah, that's great, mom. We don't really fucking care. And then <laughs> and and she recycled them all. Wow. wow. So so I have this thing in my head that grinds in me the, every day, every moment of the day going, hey, Stefan, every moment you're not finding something, it's getting thrown in the trash. Ooh. Oh, yeah. man. <laughs> so you should probably find it. Uh, well, try to get some sleep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. How do you? How do you? How do you even yeah. find it sleep? Is, at it that is point? a gnarly brain measles. <laughs> yeah, for sure, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, but that's why also it's just that this this particular thing takes up all of my time because it mm-hmm. needs to. You know, I I wish, I hope, I want there to be a Stefan Reese of EGM. I want there to be right. a Stefan Reese of GamePro. And if someone else wants to be that person, I will help them. You know, but. It can't be me. It right. cannot be me yeah, yeah. Um, for, for, for many reasons. And so, uh, but yeah, I hope someone else picks up the torch for, for other magazine publications. That'd be great. Yeah. So do you, are you, are you going to be a collector of things now in anticipation of them becoming like collectors items in the future? Mm-hmm. Is that something you've ever thought about or you're mainly focused on this specific adventure? Like, I don't go looking for, like, displays or, like, modern, like, employee awards or, like, modern Nintendo stuff. Mostly because, essentially, if if someone who's currently working for Nintendo, they will not talk to you. Right. Because <laughs> um, uh, that's a big no-no. Um, you have to wait. In fact, I have a couple people on my list that are, like, 
kind of elder statesmen of the company that like still work there that I'm just like, every once in a while, I'll just take a look at their LinkedIn and be like, Hey, if you, uh, I will call them the day they retire, <laughs> um, but, but I can't, I can't touch them now. Um, so really that it would be, it would be almost more difficult trying to, trying to, um, hunt historical item, modern historical items. Um, and plus it's just not the, it's just not the space that I really want to be in. Like, I love the, the, like the, the physical, you know, um, tangible thing and like um and so much of this now is digital that it's just like and i have some of that and honestly it's it's even more difficult to find than than physical art because you know of course no one's gonna have something that they did five hard drives ago right right? right. like that it just doesn't last and so i i i have like a very the video game history foundation um, is another 501c nonprofit. Uh, Frank and Kelsey run it, and they're they're great, and they're an incredible resource for the industry. But um, they had they happen to have some like digital layouts that they got from someone, and they gifted those to me. But but um, that was just like a fluke. Like I, I I can't imagine trying to like archive digital assets. Then they right. do a lot of that over there, um, and. Um, yeah. So no thanks. Yeah. <laughs> this keeps, yeah. This keeps me busy enough. Plus, it's sure. like one of those things where it's like, if it's not a hundred percent in my wheelhouse, me wanting to spend money on a thing is like that's a big ask because mm-hmm. I because there's just again a, a voice in my head saying like, hey, if you spend five hundred dollars on this thing that you kind of like, like I almost that poster, that poster that I just got, I almost didn't buy it. Because it's like, it's a poster, man. That's not really in your wheelhouse, right? And I'm like, but I really like it. But it was one of those things where it's like, hey, if you spend the $600 on this poster uh, and something else comes along, then you're not going to have that $600. That's, yeah. You right. know? And so uh, it hasn't happened yet, thank God, where like I wasn't able to like to pull the trigger on something when I really needed to. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure on, uh, at some point it'll happen, like where it's just like, oh, I'm just tapped for resource and... um. Yeah, that's my that's my nightmare scenario. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I did want to ask you too. How did we do on our list? I mean, you're this you're like the pro. You're the source. Uh, if you feel if you want to give us like a Nintendo Power rating, you can. But uh, <laughs> overall, what do you think? Did, did we? I thought your this list was better. I thought your last list was bad. That was my second part of this question. <laughs> yeah, you actually messaged and said uh, we were wrong. I believe. Yeah, I don't. So, I don't. Off the top of my head, I don't remember what it was, but like I, I, yeah. I, I remember there being some choices I didn't agree with. Well, <laughs> obviously not considering or considering Nintendo Power. If there's another one you want to shout out. What would what would have been your, some of your favorite magazine covers? Uh, I you know what I think there's a lot just because like I hate to say this but like because they're not that great there's a lot of like fantastic game bro covers mm-hmm. where it's just like 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 done in like colored pencil <laughs> and like 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 totally off model and just like. That's that honestly, that's sort of the art that I love the, the stuff that I love the most. Uh, you know, yes, there's like a, a, a certain like the very clean, very on model, very like professional looking art. There's certainly something to be said about that. But like I have like I have like a like a spy versus spy piece that was done in crayon. And like somehow that made it into the magazine. Um, that's the stuff that I think is 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 really interesting because it's like I loved 
or like how they would have multiple artists working on the same page. So the art direction would just be a hot mess. <laughs> and, uh, but like, I love the thing I loved about Nintendo power is that uh, especially the earlier issues, it felt like a magazine that me and my friends could have made. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and and so you know i do i do like sort of the more low fidelity art um at a, and and there was a lot of it in game pro right? i mean yeah i mean <laughs> even nintendo power though look at issue one look at mario in issue one like who's yeah. that guy on yeah. the cover you know it's right. definitely not super mario <laughs> um so not to take too hard a shift but talking about your 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 other side your professional uh job it, it, do you have any advice for anybody who does want to get into game development or some aspect of it? It's so different now, right? Like, so, so I've been in the industry actually as of next month will be 19 years. Wow. My first game was, was fairly odd parents for the original Xbox. Um, Banger of a title. No, I've never yeah. played it. I'm just it's, actually, it's not, it's not bad. <laughs> I played it on the stream not too long. Good ago. property. Nice. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a, uh, Back then, like publisher QA was a really easy way to get in. Like most like major publishers would have like hundreds. Like when I was at Disney Interactive, we had almost 400 testers at one point. Um, And yeah, it was a seasonal job, but it was a way to like get your face in front of people who like could actually like like QA was like a breeding ground for production like that, were you Mm -hmm. know, or, you know, like kind of sort of like a grooming pen. Right. People would get like hired into production from quality assurance and like but but now qa and and not disparaging anyone any of my friends who do still do publisher qa or any of my friends who do or in in other countries who do or who are part of like qa houses now but like a lot of it is outsourced and a lot of it is like you know career qa houses right we do quality assurance and that's what we do and so like it's there's so much less opportunity now to go through quality assurance as a kind of a vector in because it really was like the mailroom of the game industry when right. I grew up. Um, now, having said that, though, the other thing that is kind of a boon, if you do want to get into actual like making games um, is uh, it's so easy to self-publish now. You can just like put mm-hmm. something on Steam. Ta-da, I have a game, right? <laughs> um, and like, you know, we would have killed for that when we were growing up the, in, in the industry. So like, it's so vastly different than when like I did it, but like, that's really, I mean, it's going to sound stupid and cliche, but like, just make games, like, <laughs> you know, if you don't have any, just find, find someone out there. I mean, yes, there's also like the education route. There's, there's a select number of schools that are, that are decent that actually, you know, people do get hired in from like full sale or DigiPen is probably still the most pre- prestigious game school. I think uh, Nintendo hires directly out of DigiPen. Um, for a while, at least uh, DigiPen was actually on the Nintendo campus. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, there's definitely like scholastic resources if you want to go that route, but, but yeah, I mean, if it's, if you're, if you're sitting there going like, I want to make games, I don't know what to do. I, uh, you know, I have no experience, then just like I would just find other like like-minded people who are like around or hell, maybe you'd find someone who's super talented that wants to help you out. Like, but just like, just kind of put yourself out there, find a group of people who want to make a game and just go make a game. Awesome. Um, I love it. Yeah. I, I, I wish I had more like contemporary direct advice, but like, again, it's been the game industry has changed so much in the yeah. last 20 years that like yeah. it's, it's difficult for me to be like, oh no, this is the way I did it and you should do this. No, definitely. I completely understand that. 
Uh, Brian, do you have any, anything else? No, I think we covered everything. Um, yeah. 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 Definitely. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and get into our debrief, but Stefan, man, uh, thank you so much for all your insight into Nintendo power and video games as a whole. Sure, uh, this is great. Do you have anything you'd want to recommend to our listeners? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, people who don't haven't seen it or saw the first episode and like balked. Uh, I have really, really been enjoying the Halo show. Wow. Um, it's the first person I've heard uh, enjoying it. This is good. Yeah, this is I good. didn't think I would. And so maybe part of it is that I'm not like a diehard Halo right. guy. Like I, I'm Same. a, I'm a, I'm a casual Halo guy. Like I played all the games, right? Sure. Um, but uh, but I'm not like thinking about Master Chief when I'm not playing Halo. Um, <laughs> and uh, there certainly were some story concessions that i won't go into because of spoilers but like you will get i mean they happen in the first episode basically there's like a very big uh creative choice that they make um that i think maybe the diehard people wouldn't necessarily have made um but now that we're into uh into the kind of twilight of the series i think it's like on episode eight or nine right now um I think all the all the bets that they made paid off, and I, I'm I'm having a really good time with that show. Well, that's cool. Um, also, Strange New World or Strange New Worlds, the new Star Trek is that what it's called? Um, there's like is that the animated there. one? Or? No, no, no. But it's like they w- basically went back to like episodic, like Creature of the Week sort of format. Oh, cool! And it's with the guy that played um, Pike on uh, Discovery. I don't know if you mm-hmm. watched Discovery, um, but uh, so it follows the you know, the captain of the Enterprise before Kirk, and um, and it's very very Creature of the Week. Um, like they still have like character arcs, but not like story arcs where like, um, like, um, discovery is like super, super serialized. Right. right. It's like, right. and then this happens and then this happens. And it's like, <laughs> the, it's like a cohesive through right. line. Right. Um, there, there's not that it's, uh, you know, it, it, honestly, they're going back to more of like, a um, strange new world. So it's very much like next generation. That's me. cool. Yeah. Everything um, nice and neat and wrapped yeah. up and yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So those oh, are my cool. two, two show recommendations cool yeah I, I, I might have to check out halo i've kind yeah, of yeah yeah i i started halo and and was liking it but i think i like i want it to be all done and then i'll decide if i want to go through the whole thing yeah i think i get like a 30-day trial with game pass and i'm kind of waiting until all the episodes are out so i could get them Just all do in it all know? yeah <laughs> paramount plus i will say is probably like as far as like value, like if you like the properties they do, like for yeah. instance, if you like Star Trek, like there's always new Star Trek. Like I, I the, like the way that they pace their content right now, I'm super impressed by. Like it's just like there's always something new that I like. Like it's not it's not just like oh let's go watch like the one Marvel show that's right. airing on Disney Plus. Right. It's it's like hey we are simultaneously airing three new Star Trek shows. So I hope you like Star Trek. Oh, that's um, cool. And, but yeah, it's, keep it's, you busy. It's, it's honestly it's great I, yeah it's, yeah i mean disney plus does a decent job of staggering their like marvel star wars marvel star wars and getting them about a month apart but it is you know it's a drip feed for sure yeah 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 thought about that so, off the top of my head did a good nice. job you did very good <laughs> very good <laughs> yeah we haven't even talked about the halo show um right. so that's good to to finally hear something about it so um I mentioned I finally finished Reggie's book, Disrupting the Game. Right. Great book. Highly recommend it. My dog but, got it. Could you see oh, that no. on my Twitter? 
Oh. Like, I'm still reading it, but my dog actually ate it. Oh my oh, gosh. I have, wow. a, I have a five month old Great Dane who eats everything. Oh, geez. And uh, she's amazing, but she eats everything, oh. including Reggie's book. <laughs> well, I, so I got the audiobook, and his sweet baritone voice was so nice uh, that entire ride. Um, so no, no danger of it getting eaten there. Uh, but what I am doing, uh, there's the, what is it? The summer games fest is happening in lieu of E3, I guess you could say. And Jeff Keeley announced that they're going to be doing it in IMAX, just oh, right. different right. ones around, around the nation. Uh, so this will be the first time I am re-entering a movie theater since Ryan and I watched Star Wars episode uh, nine episode nine in theaters. Um, but yeah, I'm going with a, a buddy and we're going to watch whatever two hour commercial <laughs> series of trailers. Jeff Keeley's got uh, drumming up for us, uh, but I'm excited. You know, it, it's been a while since I've seen this, this friend. So that'll be fun. Um, and it'll, I think the energy of a bunch of gamers sitting in an IMAX looking through their goodie bags, whatever they give us. Uh, I think that'll be a fun time. Yeah. So, so if you, if you have the opportunity, I guess. Yeah. So you, tickets are, are still available from what I was looking at. I mean, you know, they're, they're going here and there, but look to see if your IMAX is, is doing it um, before the, the June 9th uh, release here. I wish I could have joined you, man. I know. I, I, I know. It would have been good. Would have been cool for sure. Yeah. Maybe what do you got, time? Ryan? Uh, so my my debrief is uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Um, can I highly recommend this film to you? No, <laughs> no, I cannot. I, I I thought it was about mid tier as far as MCU movies go, but it was it did some things extremely well, like better than other MCU movies. It was it it had a good horror tone i thought mm. uh and a lot of raimi is in this movie so if you're familiar with sam raimi uh it actually resembled a lot of his earlier work on like th- the evil dead than it did his run with spider-man which i thought was interesting because it is a superhero movie but yeah i would definitely think it's worth everybody's time to go see it it's brutal it's gruesome and it's kind of shocking for a marvel movie but i think it's uh it's divisive. I'm kind of the middle ground on it, but I think people should go make their own decision and see it for themselves for sure. Am I allowed to talk about it? Cause I have also seen it. Do you want to see, or should we have a spoiler warning? Is that what no. you mean? No, no, no. Okay. Yeah, um, absolutely. You could talk about it. Uh, I did feel like to your point that I was getting like punched in the face by Sam Raimi <laughs> like, to the point where like, <laughs> yeah. I felt like that was pulling me out. Right. That yeah, was, absolutely. There were these moments that were just like, it was so like, oh, and not just like, obviously, there's like cameos and stuff, but just mm-hmm. like, but like specifically, like just, just the way that something is shot or like a very clear callback or just like a, the way that a character is, right. is, is modeled, you know. Um, I was just like, you are, it, it almost, it, it was like the Sam Raimi version mm-hmm. of a 3D movie. Where they're just like, yeah, look at that. this thing in 3D. Yeah. It was like yeah. literally like this is a Sam Raimi movie, and like I don't know, that was not. Well, that, that's what I mean, and I think if you enjoy, if you could honestly watch those early Deads and enjoy early Evil Dead movies and enjoy them and not laugh at how campy they get sometimes, then maybe you'll. But it was such a tonal shift in this film. Like the film is a serious movie, and then it has those like. Ramy goofiness parts that are very in your face and over the top. And it does take you out of the film. Absolutely. It, it goes against the tone he sets, but he did stuff like that in his earlier movies. It is 
It's a lot, though. It's yeah, a no, lot. No, like tone, tonally shifting. I, I mean, it has certainly worked out for them. I mean, look at the, the Thor franchise, for instance. Like after yeah. after Dark World, they took such a sharp turn. Right. Well, with, yeah. Uh, you know, just like tonally. Right. That's um, two separate movies. I mean, in, for this to be one movie, it just it, it does a good job of like. Oh, I see what you're saying. Building fear. Mm-hmm. And then it will immediately remove that fear by doing something ridiculously campy, <laughs> like a body uh, comedy gag instead yeah. of like a good quippy Marvel line, you know? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So you're saying I can wait until Disney Plus for this one? I guess that's what I'm saying. Not okay. quite the debrief, not really a recommend. I guess it's a recommendation, right? Yeah. But how, how would you wrap that up, Stefan? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think you, it's, it's definitely, you, you can wait. Yeah. Well, I do want to say before we go, Stefan, um, and last chance, any shouts, uh, anything you want to bring people's attention to? I know I asked you earlier, but if, if something has popped in your head since then, now's the time. No, I got my, the, the events that I'm doing right now. That's, um, and again, that's the game on expo in August in Phoenix. And then, uh, the Portland retro gaming expo in September, October, something, um, later, just go, go look at their website. They yeah. have that, all that stuff. Um, I didn't even know that was going to happen until they're just like, surprise, we're back. <laughs> so that was cool. Uh, uh, but yeah, that's, I mean, literally all I do is work and then come home and work on this. So, uh, you know, like I said, there's my, there's my profession and there's my life's work and I nice. do one so that I can do the other. <laughs> um, so. And what, what is that Twitter handle one more time? Oh, it's art of NP. But okay. um, you can just Google Art of Nintendo Power and find me all of the places because I've like I'm on Instagram and and YouTube etc. But like I've made myself intentionally very findable. Sure. Um, if you search for Nintendo Power Art on Google, I will sort higher than Nintendo does. <laughs> wow, nice. <laughs> uh, so that's uh, not an accident. No, that's very cool. Because Sweet. sometimes you know you know I have I, I am now enjoying sort of the fruits of my labor, having like really kind of focused on that kind of SEO for a long time um, where things do find me now because someone will have something that they are trying to figure out what to do with. And they'll go like, I have a piece of Nintendo power art. Oh, return. that makes and, things uh, easier, right? <laughs> they then, find you. And here I am. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah, if you just Google Nintendo uh, art of Nintendo power at all, I will be all over the place. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Well, thanks again, Stefan. It's been a blast, man. Um, And Brian, thank you as always for joining me as well. Uh, So yeah, next week we will be doing our mission debrief and we will be talking about or our mission debrief, our mission report. (laughs) And we will be talking about uh, every month we do an episode where we pick a topic around gaming to discuss. Uh, It's, it kind of breaks up the list based you know, once a month to offer something else and we get to share our opinions on something. And the topic we'll be sharing our opinions on this week is game delays and Mm. uh, how prevalent they seem to be lately. But we have a lot more than that to say. I'm simultaneously happy and unhappy that uh, (laughs) I'm not going to be here for that because as someone who, uh, you know, is delaying (laughs) uh, I have, I have particular POVs that I do and don't want to share with you. Right. So join us next week again with <laughs> Stefan Reese. <laughs> but as always, guys, we appreciate you. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Bye. 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 Bye.